Hey, this is Glover Teixeira, UFC Light Heavyweight Champion. Hi, I'm Robbie Lawler. What's up, Fight Family? This is your favorite MMA coach, Tiago Alves, the Pitbull. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Pedro Moyes. This is Mike Brown. Hey, I'm Alexei Alenik. And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. And this is Yvonne Van Picks. And you're watching We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. Hi, everybody from American Top My name's Angelo, and welcome back to We Want Picks. We have a week off, and now we are rolling right in to UFC 273. I've actually broken this card down three times already because of the insane amount of fight drops and fight. We don't see it very often, but swapping opponents, the whole thing. But Jacob and I, together, are going to break down the entire UFC 273 fight card. We're going to give you our picks, our predictions. We're going to give you our bets and our fantasy plays, make sure you like the stream, make sure you subscribe, and if you want 50 free bucks, make sure you go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Anybody who goes there, signs up with one of our betting partners, and makes a deposit, gets 50 bucks. Literally that simple. wewantpicks.com slash bets. We have five betting partners. Sign up with any one of them, make a deposit, let us know after you do, and we send you $50, Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, as a thank you, weonpicks.com slash bets. And this stream is brought to you by Earn You. Earn You is the world's first sports and esports prediction game, allowing you to earn crypto completely risk-free. Check that out now at earnyou.io. And Odds Jam. Odds Jam has the fastest real-time data to spot discrepancies between different sports books, and it helps users make risk-free bets. Check them out at oddsjam.com and they are literally perfect for some of these fights where the lines are moving and what they do is they will just basically let you know if one book is falling behind and you can catch a line before they catch up to it. Jakey boy, you excited for this week? This is actually a really good fight card and it's a lot trickier than people think. I'm real excited, Angela. Ready to get started. Right. I'm going to tell you why every underdog on this card is going to oh. win. Stay tuned. Okay. <laughs> well, anybody new here? That's not normally how he talks. So we're jumping right in, but I'm serious. This is a little bit of a trickier. A couple of fights are super obvious, but there's 14 fights on this card, and a bunch of them are super tricky. Uh, yes, small, red-headed boy in the back. How can I help you? <laughs> I was just uh, the background here. Can you explain that? That's uh, like Florida background? Is that supposed to be Jacksonville? or? The These green? are the colors of the card. I mean, every week. Look, see, this is the official UFC so and this is the turquoise because they're going to be in Jacksonville. And I guess turquoise is a Jacksonville thing. The Jaguars. Right. So Jaguars. Listen, man, it's the little, it's the little details that separates us from every other schmo that just has topology on in the background. Ordinary and extraordinary. Just that little extra. Just that That's little it. Extra. Everybody else has topology. I'm over here making custom graphics. I never used Photoshop a day in my life until this channel. But let's jump <laughs> right in. I see your comment, Plague Runner, officially banned. <laughs> First up, at UFC 273, we have Julio Arce taking on Daniel Santos. Julio Arce, 17-5 overall. He's 2-3 in his last five, coming off the TKO loss to Song Yadong. Daniel Santos, 
10 and 1 overall. He's 4 and 1 in his last five, making his UFC debut. Julio Arce is a striker with solid volume and good defense. He's able to come forward with his power, but still counter strike while he's doing that, and things come back his way. He utilizes both his hands and his feet, and he moves really well, which is why he isn't hit very often. The problem is, though, when he does get hit, you cannot always count on his chin. He has wrestling in his back pocket, and he may use it in this matchup. Daniel Santos is making his UFC debut here. There's a lot of fighters on this card making their UFC debuts. Daniel Santos is one of them. He's an old shoot-a-box fighter, and if you don't know what shoot-box is, look at Vanderlei Silva. That's the shootbox style. He basically, you come forward with a real tight guard and literally when you get into that pocket, those hands just absolutely explode. Super fast, super powerful. He has solid leg kicks and a clear understanding of violence. He has very good BJJ from bottom, but he can be taken down pretty easily. And even though his BJJ is good, it's that old shootbox logic where they literally use jujitsu. So instead of working for scrambles and instead of using jujitsu to create an opportunity to stand back up or create space, they're literally trying to work submissions and he can end up on his back just losing minutes in a fight. Right now, the odds have Julio Arce as a two to one favorite. And I have to imagine it's because Daniel Santos is making his UFC debut, but Santos is very dangerous. He can have the same success against Arce that Song Yadong did with that solid power, that come forward striking style. I do like Arce to win, but I think it's honestly because of the wrestling he has in his back pocket. I think he can work in a few well-timed takedowns. And then once you start doing that, you get your opponent worrying about both the striking and the wrestling. But if he keeps it a straight up kickboxing match, I do like Santos to win that. He comes forward, he has power, he misses things up well. So Julio Arce is the pick. But the bet to place here is Daniel Santos wins inside the distance, but a decision is no action because Daniel Santos is tough. I don't see him getting finished, but he can win by stoppage. And all that bet means is if Daniel Santos wins inside the distance, submission, knockout, then you get paid. If he loses a decision, you get a refund. The bet never happened. You're only going to get that at bet online. We want picks.com slash bets. Jump in there, make a deposit, and we'll send you 50 bucks. As a thank you, Jakey boy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I completely agree with that inside the distance because Santos is wild enough and, and, and powerful enough to knock out Arce. If, if this card starts off with Arce just getting absolutely flatlined by some wild spinning attack from Santos, I will not be surprised. I've, I've never seen anyone with two spinning back kicks finishes. So he's got the Joe Rogan spinning back kick. He's finished two people with it. He also does like spinning elbows. He does all sorts of spinning stuff. He's going to be a top in there trying to knock Arce out. I don't think he gets it done. You mentioned his takedown defense. I actually think it's better than what you say it is. So if Arce tries to grapple, I, I don't think he needs to do that. I think he should be able to win the striking if he stays out of the wild stuff. Doesn't really get in those big wild exchanges with Santos because Santos has the power, as you mentioned. If he does some weird stuff, weird stuff happens, especially in front of live crowds on pay-per-view cards. So this will be a fun uh, fight to start the the, uh, the card off. It'll be exciting, but I think this is an Arce play pretty much all the way. Um, if he's on his back foot, I don't like him quite as much. I like him to be that pressure guy. So if Santos is able to dictate that pressure early, maybe laying a power shot early, you know, this could be a live bet situation. But Arce, if he's moving forward, he's doing his thing. Um, he should definitely dominate this fight. Yep. I think uh, Arce is the better fighter, but Daniel Santos is by far the more dangerous fighter. So that's that's a perfect spot for inside the distance. This is no action bet. So I will place that. And Jesse Cohea in the comments 
just let us know that that is at plus 130. That's a fantastic bet. So I absolutely will be pay, um, placing that. DraftKings, we both think Julio Arce wins. I don't know about you, but 0% chance I spend $9,000 on that dude. No way. No, no. Not as uh, as dangerous as Santos is. If, he, if, if Santos was just kind of like a not a power guy or not just kind of another guy maybe, but he's got he does wild stuff, man. So, uh, yeah, I'm not taking that risk. No, absolutely not. I'm not going to throw Daniel Santos in there either. Seventy two hundred bucks. It's a nice price point. He, he, you know, he can be live for a stoppage, of course. But yeah, uh, there's a lot of fighters on this card. That's not worth it. Uh, we already talked about the bet that we like. What do you think of Monkey Knife Fight? Anybody who doesn't know what that is, it's daily fantasy. Essentially, this is how many strikes they're saying will be landed by each person. You say more or less, and if you're right, you make some money. It's that simple. We own picks.com/mkf. If you want to check that out. Uh, you know, I think if Arce wins, it's a more and more. If Santos wins, it's a less less. I think it's that simple. You so like probably more, more? more? Yeah, so probably. Yeah, more. it's. I agree. It probably is a more and more. That's that's not anybody new. That's not a ton of strikes, especially for two bantamweights that are somewhat busy. That's a that's a solid line there. Next up at UFC two seventy three, we have Piero Rodriguez taking on K Hansen. Piero Rodriguez is seven oh seven and zero overall. 5-0 and in her last five. She's coming off a contender series win just a few months ago and an LFA title win right before that. Kay Hansen is 7-5 and overall, 3-2 and in her last five, riding a two-fight skid. Pierre Rodriguez, she's a nasty striker. She's got very real finishing ability. She plots forward and lets her hands fly. I call it, I've been saying this all week, like a trolled brawl where she's very calculated in what she's doing, but she wings the punches. They do look wild and she puts her hips into absolutely everything that she throws. She has pretty good takedown defense and she is defensively sound on the ground. She has her own takedowns as well, but you're going to see the stats in a second. Don't let those stats fool you. She is not a wrestler. She is absolutely a striker. Kay Hansen is incredibly young. She made her UFC debut at only 20 years old. She's a short, powerful grappler who likes to bob and weave her way into the clinch and then bully from there. The first time we broke her down, I, I said she's got the Mike Tyson real tight coming in like this and then and then bombs away, pushes you against the cage, drops down to a leg and then works takedown. She'll even lift you clean off the ground. After she gets the takedown, she immediately starts working for submissions. And on the surface, you might say, oh, this is grappler versus striker because Rodriguez is a striker. Kay Hansen's a grappler. But both of them are pretty well-rounded. Kay Hansen can bang. And then, you know, she's not super technical, but she'll hang out in the pocket and exchange. Pierre Rodriguez can grapple. She certainly defensively sound, has some takedowns if she needs them. And Rodriguez doesn't look to push the wrestling offense, but her takedown defense really is good. And what she really does well that I absolutely love to see I've wrestled my whole life. I've, I've coached it. And what I love to see in some of those high-level wrestlers is when somebody gets in on their hips or is like takes the shot and is working their way there, she just slams her hips forward, pressures forward, and just starts bombing away. And your offensive takedown just ends up with you basically shooting into a wall and then going backwards. And Rodriguez does that really, really well. And this is a tough pick, man, because I, I and I'm not going to flip here. I'm going to stick with my original pick this week. Kay, Kay Hansen is very good, but I really do see something special in Pierre Rodriguez. I, she is nasty. Everything she does is mean. It's powerful. It's with intent. And what's really interesting is the odds have this at, you know, basically even. Pierre Rodriguez is a very small favorite. And she was an underdog when the line opened. So money came in on Pierre later. 
I think recency bias is sort of helping Kay Hansen. I think Piero Rodriguez wins, but man, Kay Hansen's like stupid live in this fight. What do you think? So here's the deal. I would say 85% of the time I make picks with my brain. You know, I, I look at the tape, I, I make picks with my brain. I would say 10%, you know, 10% is probably fair with my heart. You know, sometimes you just you just got to follow your heart in the situation, at least 5%. I would say 5%, 5% of the time I make picks, uh, you know, I'm going K. I mean, K. Hansen's going with the fight. There's no doubt in my mind that K. Hansen's win the fight. And, and and I'll tell you right now, after last week, or I guess two weeks ago, lock of the week, we got 10, 2, and 1, picking all underdogs, guys. People will give you people will give you lock of the week. So be like, oh, my God, Chimiev is my lock of the week. No balls on these guys. I pick underdogs. I'm going all in. K. Hansen is going to be the lock of the week. Let me tell you why. Pierre Rodriguez, I agree. This is a tough one because she is good. But I saw some stuff in the film a few times where there was a fight Which against film? Gotsky. The OnlyFans film or, or the I'm actual I'm talking about Pierre Rodriguez film. right now. Thank you. Oh, let's try and stay on top of it. I don't. My let's bad. not be perverted about this, okay? I'm, I'll clean uh, there it was, up. There was, a, there was a fight against Gotsky with Pierre Rodriguez. She did not want to go to the ground, right? You mentioned it. she's not a wrestler. She, doesn't, she did not want to go to the ground. There was a couple times in some other fights I saw that when she went on the ground, she almost got armbarred like immediately. Like it was out of position, immediately almost got armbarred. I think, I don't know if that was that same fight. It was a girl that was really trying to pull guard and really wanted to grapple. And she said, you know what? That was trouble, right? She almost got armbarred in this situation. Kay Hansen, I think a lot of people were off of her on her because of her last fight. She was up in weight against a girl that was literally like twice her size and was a silver medalist wrestler. And she still was in deep on some takedowns. It looked like she was about to get those takedowns. And that girl was just a little bit too big and knew what she was doing in those situations. In this fight, if she gets those same situations against Rodriguez, she's going to get her to the ground. If she gets to the ground, she's going to submit her. And I see her very easily. If she wants to strike, I probably wouldn't do that against Rodriguez because she does have some real power. But she does have that high guard. You mentioned the Mike Tyson stance. I think she can get inside, get the takedowns, get the submission win, get out of there. Um, and go back home doing whatever she does at home. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't know what she does in her free time. But um, you know, I like Kay Hansen. Lock of the week, hundred percent, all the way. And we're moving this thing to eleven, two, and one. We're feeling good. I'm not going to disagree with anything you said, honestly, because this was a really hard pick for me. Because I, I, Kay Hansen is very, very good. I picked against her in her last fight, but literally because I, I you know, Jasmine's wrestling scrambles were amazing, and that was the difference in that fight. This fight. So I, I talked about Pierre Rodriguez's takedown defense. I love how she just throws her hips forward, pushes you to your back. Kay Hansen does sort of shoot takedowns. She does lower her level, but she also holds you against the cage. So, you know, I, I'm not, this is a no bet fight. It's absolutely no bet. I got to make a pick because that's what we do here. But, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree too. with you. I'll, I'll tell you, I'm tell you, I'm worried too about Rodriguez is her gas tank. I saw her in her third round of fights where she was almost running away from exchanges. You see, it was almost like the Conor McGregor when he was tired against Nate Diaz, where he's like, oh shit, I gotta get out of here. There were situations like that in the third round of fights. So if this keeps extending, I think Kay Hansen's definitely gonna be able to get the takedowns late, if not early. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna agree uh, disagree with you at all. So I, I think Pierre Rodriguez wins. I think there's something special there, but Kay Hansen is very good. And frankly, if you're on that side, you're getting a discount because she lost two fights in a row and people are stupid and just give up on fighters after a couple of losses. 
Um, DraftKings, pick your side. I think they're both priced really well, honestly. Pierre Rodriguez can win by finish. Kay Hansen can get a whole bunch of takedowns, a whole bunch of control time, and a submission. So I think either one of them are appropriate for your lineup if you feel strongly about your side. You agree? Uh, yeah, I think I think this is definitely a close fight and uh, could go either way, but you know, I'm, I'm confident my girl can. Yep. Um, I don't know what to do with Monkey Knife Fight because – Pierre Rodriguez's line is pretty high, and Kay Hansen's is low if she gets to do what she wants to do. So, uh, you know, uh, I, probably less on Pierre Rodriguez for sure. For sure less on her. And probably more on Kay Hansen if you think Kay Hansen wins. So it's either less, less, or less, more, depending on what side you're on. What do you think? I think it's less, less. Yeah. All right. Well, if you want to place a bet, go to weonpicks.com slash bets. We have five partners. Sign up with any of them. Make a deposit. We send you 50 bucks as a thank you. And if you want to check out Monkey Knife Fight, weonpicks.com slash MKF. They'll instantly match your deposit up to $100. Next up, at UFC 273, we have Anthony Fluffy Hernandez taking on Josh Freem. Anthony Hernandez is 8-2 overall. 2-2-1 two, two and one in his last five. He's coming off that giant upset win over Rodolfo Vieira. Josh Freem is 9-2 and two overall, 4-1 and one in his last five, making his UFC debut. And he's coming off a submission win less than just two months ago. This is an interesting matchup here because Anthony Hernandez was originally supposed to fight Drikas Duplessis. Kelvin Gastelum lost his opponent. The UFC said, ooh, we love Drikas. Let's go him, throw him on the main card against Kelvin. We can showcase, blah, blah, blah. That fight fell apart. Anthony Hernandez gets to remain on the card, and he has a last-minute late replacement, Josh Freem. Anthony Hernandez, he's a very good grappler, and the only reason most people even know his name is because he has better cardio than Rodolfo Vieira. If you don't remember that fight, essentially, Rodolfo Vieira took down Anthony Hernandez four times, controlled the hell out of him, beat him up pretty bad, and then gassed harder than anybody has ever gassed in any fight ever. Hernandez was in shape, obviously. He was well-prepared. Saw his opportunity, and he ended up submitting the world champion black belt, Rodolfo Vieira. Outside of that fight, he's had sort of mixed success. He's got solid takedowns. He does have a BJJ black belt. And although he is willing to strike, that's never his path to victory. Josh Freem is a grappler with solid athleticism, and he does have some sneaky power in his punches. He's had a lot of success in the LFA. His only loss over there was to Gregory Rodriguez, who's in the UFC now, and he's on his own little streak. He is coming off a win on Dana White's Looking for a Fight show. That's basically Contender Series, but instead of being at the Apex, it's at regional shows. And, you know, in that fight, that Dana White uh, Looking for a Fight where he won, he did have a little trouble with the striking, but he was able to get it to the ground, and then he got it done there, and that's where he got his contract. And it's an interesting matchup because I think it's a much better matchup for Anthony Hernandez than his original opponent. Both of these guys are grapplers. Neither guy really looks very comfortable when they're striking. I think Hernandez is the better, just pure, raw grappler. Like, if it was a grappling tournament, I think Hernandez would win in that matchup. And he obviously has uh, more experience, or at least more experience at this level but Josh is the more athletic guy and he's evolving really fast. I do, I did this whole, you know, I talked about this in the uh, quick picks video. I put a lot of stock in athleticism because if you're an athlete, you can learn at a faster pace. You can do, yes, yeah, Jacob. You can do things 
in that fight that a non-athlete can't do. And we're starting to hit the era, you know, where like what UFC, you could call it Gen 3, Gen 1, Hoist Gracie, Gen 2 was, I don't know, Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell. And now Gen- Generation 3 is, you know, these guys Conor here. McGregor. And everybody is an, okay, yeah, everybody is an athlete. So, you know, Ryan, we're still reading. Ryan Hall's an athlete. We're still weeding out a few, and there's people like Anthony Hernandez, and Hernandez isn't necessarily a pure athlete, couldn't be a professional in another sport, where Josh Freem has that ridiculous athleticism. And there's a lot of stock to be put in that. The last comparison I'll make here, and I'm not saying Josh Freem is like George St. Pierre because they're nothing. You cannot make that comparison. But I use George St. Pierre as the bar for athleticism because the dude never wrestled a day in his life, ever. He was a karate guy, started doing MMA, learned to wrestle as an adult and then literally ended up being the best wrestler in the UFC as, as far as you know getting the takedowns and controlling from there. So athleticism means a lot. That's a very long rant about athleticism. And that is what it makes this pick so tough because I do think neither guy is a great striker. Both are good grapplers. Anthony's a better grappler. Anthony has better, you know, he's he's uh, has more experience. But Josh Freem's a better athlete and he's a capable guy. I, I like Anthony Hernandez to win, but it is so stupid razor thin. And I opened this whole card breakdown saying this is a much tougher card to pick than a lot of people think because people are only focusing on the big three fights and those are pretty straightforward. These early, these undercards, every single one of them could go the other way. What do you think, Jackie boy? Yeah, I'll, let me preface this too with uh, I'm staying away from this fight completely. And I 100% agree. If this wasn't a short notice fight, and this is literally like a week's notice fight for Josh, if this was not short notice, I'm pretty sure I would pick him to win because I agree. I think he's a better athlete. I think he's a better striker. And I think on the ground, it's in the wrestling, I think it's pretty even. I think in the j- pure jiu-jitsu, I agree. I think Hernandez definitely has that, that advantage. But I think this easily comes down to who is able to offensive wrestle. I think that if, it, if it's in the striking – I think it's kind of a wash, but Josh, you know, I'm worried about the short notice. Maybe he tires out because you saw Anthony persevere. We've seen him persevere in fights. I think even in that Jordan Wright fight, he was uh, kind of hurt a little bit and ended up knocking Jordan Wright out. Um, but this is, you know, I think whoever is able to offensive wrestle the other person, that's the path to victory for both of them. So we'll see how it, how it plays out. I will say that I watched a Josh fight um, that was actually kind of funny because it was a, a fight versus, um, who was it, Dino Juclo? It was an amateur fight. But you guys got to watch that fight. It was like two people. It was like identical twins that fought. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. It was so crazy that the announcers, uh, Josh got armbar victory. And then announcer, and the announcer said that he lost. And it was like two or three minutes of saying like, yeah, Josh just got armbar. And they're like, wait, oh no, Josh won because they look like identical. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Anyway, I, 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 yeah, I'm picking Anthony Hernandez too. Completely staying away from this with money, with everything else, uh, with DraftKings. Because I don't trust him. Uh, but you know, I think he's, he's the pick because it's, he's been here and he has experience, I guess. So see what happens. Completely agree. Experience absolutely matters. We'll talk about that more specifically in another fight on this card. I, uh, so we're both aligned here. Josh Freem. The problem is I wish he was like a three to one underdog and then he's worth it. But this pricing, neither guy is worth it. Anthony Hernandez is absolutely not a two-to-one favorite. Josh Freem should be. Yeah, I think they're moving the other way, so you might get it. Because I think it opened at minus 150 or something for Anthony, and it keeps it keeps moving. So we'll see. You know, We might get better odds later in the week. Yeah, listen, I'll grab Josh Freem. I'll throw a little, a couple bucks you know on him good just for to that. see what happens. You know what's good for that is uh, Odds Jam. Odds Jam is good for that. Hey, nice plug. 
We appreciate our sponsors here. Odds Jam actually really is good for that. If you go to, want to go to oddsjam.com, they literally have any nerds here know what I'm talking about, APIs into all your favorite sports books that just pulls back the real-time odds because, you know, odds are updating throughout the day as money comes in. They pull back all of those real-time odds for every book and then you can just see who's lagging, who's not moving as quick and you can just spot the best odd and then right from there, jump in and place your bet. So anyway, we're aligned in our thinking here. I'm not spending the DraftKings money on either guy. $8,700, that's almost $9,000. Like no way, I do not trust that. At all. Monkey knife fight, it's probably more and more. I think I think they go at it. Probably a decision. I think they just start swinging wild. The stupid little pitter-patter punches against the cage for takedown defense. What do you think? You know, it's. I just thought about this because we're like so far off of Anthony. Like, oh, no, I wouldn't spend it because I feel the same way. I wouldn't spend it. He's probably going to get a first-round submission or something, something stupid. He's probably going to be like the highest-scoring DraftKings person or whatever. But, yeah, I would, I would stay away from it. And uh, monkey knife fight, probably more and more. Yeah, I'm more confident in the monkey knife fight for sure because I, I do think they go at it. And if Anthony loses, I think it's just Josh being a little faster, a little strong. You know, just that that athleticism is just that tiny edge to get through it. And if you want to get through the rest of your week with an extra 50 bucks in your pocket, go to weonpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners. Make a deposit. Let us know after you do. We send you $50 as a thank you. Cash app, PayPal, Venmo. It's that simple. 50 bucks for free. Weonpicks.com slash bets. Next up at UFC 273, we have Alexi Olenek taking on Jared Vandera. Alexi Olenek, 59 and 16. He's two and three in his last five, and he's riding a three-fight skid. Jared Vandera is 12 and seven overall, two and three in his last five as well. Coming off a very close loss to Andre Orlovsky. This is a weird fight. Alexi Olenek was supposed to fight two weeks ago at UFC Columbus. Alir Latifi pulled out like a couple of hours before that fight. So he and didn't we know fight. why. We found out why. J- Jacob had Alexi as his lock of the week. Then they rebooked that exact fight for this card. And Alir Latifi pulled out again. So now Alexi Olenek remains on the card. Jared Vandera steps up on short notice. So Alexi Olenek has had more than a full camp. Jared has not. Alexi Olenek... You may recognize him from the opener to our big we videos. Want, he's Vant Picks. He's we Vant Vant Picks in the opener of our videos. Um and I enjoyed picking Alexi Olenek against Alir Latifi. I liked him in the underdog spot, so did Jared Jacob. But this is a very different fight. Alexi, he's a ridiculously experienced grappler. He has a very high finish rate. His chin is pretty gone. I mean, he's 45 years old. His cardio is not great. His wrestling could use some work, but he can literally submit anybody from anywhere on the ground, even if it's very ugly getting to the ground. I've said this the last couple of weeks, but just think of Alexi Olenek as an older Paul Craig. It doesn't matter what's happening to him. If it gets to the ground, he will probably submit you. And Jared Vandera is a volume striker. He built his pre-UFC career on his grappling, though. And breaking down his UFC fights on the regional scene versus... Sorry, breaking down his UFC fights and comparing them to his fights on the regional scene, you would literally think you're looking at a completely different person. Because on the regional scene, he's a big bully grappler. In the UFC, he's a straight-up striker. Straight up striker. And if you watch those fights, he dominated Justin Taffa with the striking. Very, very close fight against Andre Olofsky with the striking. He outstruck Andre 70 to 64. He's got a long jab, solid distance control, and clean striking 
in addition to the fact that he's massive and he does have wrestling in his back pocket, he hasn't showcased it yet, but that wrestling is there. And it's easy to say that Alexi Olenek is two and three in his last five and that he's on a three fights kid. But if you look at the three losses, he lost to Spivak, Dawkins, and Derek Lewis. All three of them have already beaten or would beat Jared Vandera. And Jared Vandera is also two and three in his last five, but his losses are a split decision to Andre Lofsky, where I mentioned he outstruck him. He lost to Romanov, who's a freaking beast. And he lost to Spivak, who lately has been looking like a beast. And he was taken down and just sort of stopped in both of those fights. And on the surface, you might say, okay, well, Vendera, when he loses, he's taken down and he's beaten up from there. Olenek's a grappler, so that's straightforward. But it's not, because the problem is Olenek has very poor takedowns. His takedown offense is not very good. And without the takedown offense, he's sort of stuck on his feet in a striking match with Jared Vandera. When Alexi Olenek was fighting Alir Latifi, we were positive Alir was going to take Alexi Olenek down. Positive that was going to happen. And once it hits the ground, that's exactly where Olenek wants to be. I don't see this fight getting to the ground. I just don't see any world where Alexi Olenek is outstriking Jared Vandera. You guys can clown him because his, you know, his, his, he's had a little bit of a rough run. But look who he's lost to. Look how he's lost to them. And look how good he looks in his wins. I like Jared Vandera here. I have a one-unit money line bet on him as well. I got it at minus 115. Again, go to oddsjam.com and, and you can get some better odds uh, if you follow all the different books. Jakey Boy, are you bailing on your former lock of the week? Yeah, this is this is a really, a really, really unfortunate situation because I I love them. You love them against Latifi. I absolutely love them against Latifi. I just because Latifi was an undersized guy, right? So if if they went to the ground, I was confident Olenek's ability to win scrambles, end up in positions where he could get submissions. In this situation, you know, if Jared decides for some reason, honestly, he seems like a guy that would like try to take Olenek down for some reason because if you're on the feet, you're gonna have the advantage. You can probably knock Olenek out inside of the first round, inside of the first two minutes, if you just lay volume on them, right? It doesn't even take like a hard shot. Just lay volume on them. And I think there was one knockout. It was like just a standing TK. Linux Lily was just standing against the fence and somebody was just boom, 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 and he just didn't move. And the ref was like, all right, I got to stop the fight. You could win that very easily, Jared, if you do that. He seems like a guy that might be like, oh, I'm going to take Olenek down. And then he ends up getting submitted. But I, I like the Linux against Latifi because I thought he could win scrambles against a smaller guy. Jared is not... A small guy. His nickname is the Mountain for a reason. He's a true, true heavyweight. So even if Jared does take him down, or say Olenek tries to take him down, I think Jared ends up on top, and he might even be able to control those positions with this wrestling with Olenek on the bottom. I don't think that's what he should do, but if he does end up on the ground, he still could even control those positions and not get submitted by Olenek. This is 100%. I, I thought that Olenek could win a wrestling match versus Latifi, and maybe win a decision. I know a lot of people are like, submission or bust, he's got to get a sub. I, I thought he could win a, a wrestling match. And this, uh, it's submission or bust right here with Pearl Linick. He's got to hope that the fight ends up on the ground, and he can do something off his back to win a submission. Maybe he can. I, I really want to pick him. I think it's a safe play here, unfortunately, is uh, Jared Vendera. I, I love my man Olenek, but it's a toss-up. I got to go with Jared because he's better on the feet. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, when we break down Mackenzie Dern, I'll do my rant there. But you can be as, as the, the, the greatest ground fighter in the history of the ground. But if you can't get it there, then, you know, the, that skill set isn't very helpful. DraftKings, we do not see this very often at all. 8,100 split down the freaking middle. Jared Vandera might be worth your lineup, man. Like, you know, the problem is it's just a million significant strikes. I don't know if he stops Alexi. But... You know, he may be worth 
throwing in your lineup. I probably won't, honestly, but he may be worth that. Odds, I already told you I got a one. Or sorry, you agree with the DraftKings? Uh, yeah, he's probably worth like a multi-lineup for a, for a first-round knockout type thing, but I don't trust him. I, yeah. I literally think he, he'll, he'll come and shoot a takedown and get submitted. I don't It just seems like something he would do. Yeah, that would be absurd, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, the odds, I already told you, I got a one-unit money line bet on Jared Vandera. I got it at minus 115. It's at 110 right now. Um, and then Monkey Knife Fight, I think it's more and more. I think it stays on his feet. I think it's just volume. I think this looks like the Taffa fight, or at least three-quarters of the Taffa fight, or Taffa. So uh, I like more and more in Monkey Knife Fight. What do you think? I don't like it. You don't like it. Well, pick your side at wewontpicks.com slash MKF. They will instantly match your deposit. It is daily fantasy. It's super legal, super easy, super fun. It's an app on your phone. It's a website. Wewontpicks.com slash MKF. And if you want 50 bucks for free, 50 bucks, cash app, PayPal, Venmo, go to wewontpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners. Make a deposit. Let us know after you do. And I send you 50 bucks as a thank you. It is literally that simple. Then we have... No, let me do the proper intro. Next up, at UFC 273, we have Vince from Hell Pichel taking on Mark Madsen. Vince Pichel, 14-2 overall, 4-1 in his last five, coming off a decision win over Austin Hubbard. Mark Matson, 11-0 overall, 5-0 in his last five, coming off a striking match win over Clay Guida. And Vince from Vince from Hell Pichel. I, I freaking love that nickname. It just I love the rhyming nicknames, as dumb as it sounds. Anyway. This is this is two great nicknames because it's the Olympian. This that's a nickname. little on the nose because he literally was an Olympian. It's, that's actually kind of stupid. So thanks for the input though. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's an awesome nickname. Not a million people are Olympians. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Vince Pichel. He's a pretty good striker, and he uh, he moves in and out really well. He has lots of movement. He picks his shots well. Uh, I wouldn't say he's technical, but he does time things well. I keep using the word well here. And I wouldn't say he's technical, but he does time things well. I'm just going to nail that one home. Um, he also has solid offensive wrestling when he uses it, and he averages more than three takedowns per fight. But what's most surprising is even though he has very good offensive wrestling, he gets taken down very often. Gregor Gillespie took him down seven times. Roosevelt Roberts took him down twice. Jim Miller took him down twice. Austin Hubbard took him down four times. The dude gets taken down. Mark Madsen is an Olympic Greco-Roman wrestler, and previously, every other breakdown before this we would say Mark Madsen's striking is not very good, but he just won a three-round decision against Clay Guida with zero takedowns. The haters in the comments section early on said, well, well, he had no takedowns because he couldn't get them. He only attempted one. He only attempted one single takedown against Clay Guida, and that's because he didn't need to attempt anymore. He was winning those striking exchanges, and he has a positive striking differential. He's got very real power in his hands, and even though his striking has improved, he was absolutely wrestle here. He took Austin Hubbard down eight times in that win. And if you look at a lot of his wins, tons and tons of wrestling. And that's what I'm going to be counting on him for in this fight. And breaking down this fight, you know, I do all of my notes. I do all my research. And then I look at the odds. The odds are the thing I look at last because sometimes those odds will sway you, right? I'll look at the odds, see somebody's a favorite, and I'm just looking at it through that lens. 
This fight, I did not look at the odds. And when I pulled him up, I was surprised that Vince Michelle was the favorite. Genuinely surprised. This dude only has a 25% takedown defense. Is taken down by basically every single person he's ever fought, win or lose. Mark Matson, an Olympic Greco wrestler. Yes, he's a little older. He can be chinny at times, but I see you guys Vince in the comments. Michelle is the older fighter. I, I yeah, he is, but Mark is like wearing his age a little worse. But like, I think and, he looks and, great. I think he wears the bald head very well. Good for him. I will not look that good bald. Um, and I see you guys in the comments saying, "Well, did you see the Austin Hubbard fight? He was almost finished." But he wasn't finished. But he wasn't. He's eleven and zero. He was not finished, and that matters very much. I thought I think Mark should be the favorite. I see him just wrestle, 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 wrestle. Vince Bichelle gets taken down constantly. He outstruck Clay Guida ninety-eight to seventy-two in that fight. And Vince Bichelle's whole striking style is just a lot of movement. Clay Guida is probably the most movement-heavy guy in the division, and Mark Madsen was able to get that done. Mark Madsen is the pick. I'm probably, I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to do a money line bet on him. I haven't yet. Or a plus three and a half. If I can get good odds on that, I'll probably do the plus three and a half then. Because his cardio worries me just a little bit. If you don't know what plus three and a half is, you basically buy one single round on the judge's scorecard. So as long as Mark Madsen wins one round on his own, I bought another round and then my bet cashes. You're only going to get that at weonpicks.com slash bets. And Bet Online is the one partner that offers that. Jakey boy. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. The, the cardio, you, you mentioned the Clay Guida fight. His cardio was fine in that fight, but he didn't wrestle, right? And I think that was the point of that fight. He was like, why would I try and gas myself out trying to wrestle Clay Guida, who is like impossible to wrestle? Uh, we've seen him. I mean, he just, uh, is just he's, his movement is crazy. He's a good wrestler in his own right. He can offensive wrestle. So I think Mark Madsen went in that fight and said, I don't want to gas myself out trying to get shoot takedowns on this guy. That's going to be hard to take down. So let me just strike with this guy, see how it plays out. He was having success, so he just stuck with it. It was a close decision. It was a split decision, but he won the fight. He came through, and I think actually think I think a lot of people watched that fight, and his stock kind of dropped a little bit, right? They watched it like, oh, it was Clay Guida, but Clay Guida's looked great in a, in a lot of fights lately. And you mentioned he didn't need the takedowns to win the fight, so he won the striking change. I thought that it rose his stock. And when I did the same thing when I broke down this fight. The first text I sent you was, Mark Madsen? It's an underdog. I was like, what the hell is, what am I seeing that everyone else is seeing that Mark Madsen's underdog in this fight? Because if you look at Vince Michelle, very good, right? He's very good. He's a, he's a decent wrestler in his own right, but he mentioned the takedown defense against Gregor Gillespie, seven of nine. Against Hubbard, four of seven. Jim Miller, two of three. Roosevelt Roberts, two of three. People that want to take him down can take him down. And this is this is a, the Olympian Mark <laughs> Madsen. If he, if he wants to take Vince Michelle down, which I think he will, He's going to take him down. His, after the after the Clay Guida fight, he called out Gregor Gillespie. He said, I heard that there's somebody in my division that says they're the best wrestler. So I think he really wants to get back to his wrestling roots, right? He did the Clay Guida thing. He won the striking bat. Let me buckle down and show everyone what I'm all about. I, I think he comes in and Ozzy kind of dominates his fight. And be honest with you, Angelo, for the first time ever, I, I'm pretty sure the first time ever. Oh my God! You have two lock of the weeks. We're doing we're doing two lock of the weeks. UFC 273. We missed last week. We have no fights last week. I got to make it up to my people. K. Hansen, lock of the week. Our our second lock of the week is Mark Madsen. Man, we're going two for two. We're gonna we're gonna be 12 two and one after UFC 273. We're feeling good about it. I, I like Mark Madsen all the way in this fight. I am. I, yeah. I'm actually the thing that worries me the most, honestly. 
is that a lot of people are on Mark Madsen. There's a lot of people that are picking him, putting him in parlays. That worries me a little bit, but yeah. I see where they're coming from. Yeah, I mean, yeah, listen, all we can do is use the facts in front of us, use what we've seen before, and make educated they did, decisions. They did move this to the main card. Oh, they moved this? Yeah, it's it's a main card opener now. Oh, my bad. I just I just snipped at somebody. I'm very snippy. Yeah, I know. I saw that. I just snipped at somebody in the comments. I didn't know this was the main card opener. They, I just I just reorganized this whole thing like earlier today. When did they move it around? It's on Tapology right now, so it must have just yeah. happened. Okay. Well, anyway, DraftKings, 7800 bucks. Probably not a bad play, man. If you think he gets all those takedowns, that's probably not bad at all. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, he. let's say he does get tired and maybe gets finished in the third. He might have 10 takedowns. Literally before, because somebody mentioned in the chat, Vince Michelle does get back to his feet. But when you get back to your feet and get taken back down, it's five points, five points, five pants. He could lose in the third round and still be a good DraftKings play. Yep. Nope. Completely agree. Um, you know, not as long as he sticks to the wrestling game plan, which, you know, he should. Um, monkey knife fight. It's probably more and more. I don't, I don't see a stoppage here. I don't, I, I really don't. I mean, Vince Michelle's got some hands. Mark Madsen actually has legit power in his hands too, but I don't see a stoppage. Two older guys going at it, both good offensive wrestling. Uh, I think they go at it. It's it's probably more, more, or maybe less more if you think Vince is on his back the entire fight. What do you think? I think it's more and more. I think that Mark, even once he get, if he gets him to ground, softens him up a little bit. Uh, Vince back to his feet, softens him up, a little striking. So it's probably more and more play. And I will say, I have a... Um, Oh boy, I for, kind of forgot I placed this. I have a speaking of Mark Madsen and K Hansen, the lock of the week. We have double lock of the week, so I put a parlay bet on on Madsen and uh, and K a five unit parlay bet on both of them. So. Oof, Jesus, that's well, good luck. Lock of the week. Uh, hey, I, I put my money where my mouth is. All right. Well, you want fifty free bucks to not. Put that much money on the fights like Jacob did. Go to wewontpicks.com slash bets. We have five different betting partners. Sign up with any one of them. Make a deposit. Let us know after you do. We send you $50 as a thank you. And if you want to check out Monkey Knife Fight, go to wewontpicks.com slash MKF. It is daily fantasy. It's honestly super fun. And all you need to do is say more or less on the strike line in front of you on the screen. And if you're right, you win money. That simple, that easy. Ton of fun. We own picks.com slash MKF. And next up at UFC 273, we have Mickey Gall taking on Mike Malott. Mickey Gall, seven and four overall, two and three in his last five. He's coming off a decision loss to Alex Morono. Mike Malott, seven and one overall, three, one, and one in his last five. He's coming off a submission win on the contender series. And Mickey's a pretty good grappler. He's got submissions from both top and off his back. And he feels very raw, but he has been around for a long time. When he gets on top, he's got good pressure, but he only has a 27% takedown accuracy. His stand-up is not great, and he does have a negative striking differential. For every three significant strikes he lands, he is hit with four. But Mickey Gall is better than those stats, or at least he's... If you're watching him, you don't realize how bad he is statistically, if that makes any sense. Meaning, if you watch Mickey Gall's fights, you would assume he had better than 27% takedown defense. You would not really realize that he was hit four times for every three that he hits his opponent. So his stats are a little worse than his actual performances. Mike Malat is a pretty well-rounded guy. He has a very loose striking style, which allows him to box and kickbox 
pretty easily. His hands can be low at times, which makes him hittable, but he is technically sound and he manages range well. He's sort of this new generation of fighter that isn't one specific style. He can wrestle, he can grapple, he can strike, he can do all the things. And his entire family is professional athletes, like a John Jones situation. And you break down Mickey Gall's fights, it's it's always interesting because he shot to stardom after he beat CM Punk years ago. And I've said this many times, I think that's the worst thing that ever happened to him. Because instead of having the luxury of learning on the local level and learning against opponents at the same level as you in local shows and building your ways up, his second fight ever was in the UFC. His third fight ever was a giant fight against like one of the most famous wrestlers on the planet. And he won that fight. And then he actually won a couple good fights after that. And the whole world was like, oh my God, is Mickey Gall like really this good? And then he was stuck fighting at a really high level. Literally stuck fighting very good UFC fighters. And that's why his record is 7-4. and four. And again, he didn't have the luxury that Mike Malott did of fighting lesser opponents and getting better the normal way. And I think all of that matters. I genuinely think that matters because I think Mickey's wrestling is better than Mike's. I think his BJJ is also better than Mike's. I like Mickey to win a decision here. I think he's he's good, man. I think he can grapple. I think he's a better striker. And experience is absolutely 100% a factor. This will be Mickey Gall's, what, 10th time doing this in this cage under these lights against an, an opponent at, at actually a higher level than this. And this is Mike Malott. Like he literally was crying when he got the call to be into the UFC. I, I think it's um, skill level. Mickey Gall's a little bit better, but I think the experience level at the UFC, big, big gap there. And I think that matters. And Mickey's the pick. And I have a money line bet on Mickey Gall, by the way, at plus 165 or something. Go ahead, Jacob. Are you going to throw it to me, or are you just going to stop yeah, talking? Yeah, go ahead, Jacob. I stopped talking. It was obvious. Go. All right. Yeah, I think this is, like the, honestly, like the most disrespectful shit I've ever seen in my life. Mickey Gall, I understand he's 7-4. He did kind of get beat up in his last fight versus Alex Moreno. But these guys are almost, I don't want to say carbon copies of each other, but they they fight very similar, right? They're, they're sneaky with their jiu-jitsu. They both want to kind of wrestle, but they got you know decent striking. I think Mickey Gall, he, and he said it himself, he, I think he's better everywhere. I honestly think that he's better everywhere. If I'm, if I'm Mickey Gall in this fight, I instantly just shoot a double. Mike Mike Malai has been out of the first round once in his career. was a majority draw. Um, and, and it was in Bellator, but it was a majority. He, he's been out of the first round once. And the level of competition he's fought is kind of the reason for that. He just comes in and just does whatever he wants. If I'm Mickey Gall, I come in. He's got the new camp. He's talking about it. Sanford MMA. He 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 went down there or up there wherever the hell it is, uh, from where he's at. He he, he went it's there. South Florida. There's no up. Well, you never. I mean, Texas, uh, Hawaii, <laughs> no. maybe. I don't know. But uh, yeah, he he went to same time MMA on on an invite. They said, Mickey, you'll come here. I think we can help you out. And he was like, Yeah, I'll get a one way ticket. I don't know if I'm going to stay. He absolutely loved it, and I think that's a great camp for him to be in because I think it's going to be wrestling focused. And if he can put wrestling together with his very very slick jujitsu, he is one of the slickest jujitsu guys in that welterweight division. If he can put wrestling on top of that, and I think Sanford MMA is going to do that. I think he should almost dominate this fight. I would come across, shoot a takedown immediately, make this guy respect you for who you are and the fighter that you are. Mike Millot is the team alpha male guy. They call him team guillotine in his last fight. He shot a guillotine. If you're Mickey Gall, avoid the guillotine, shoot those takedowns, win this fight. And I'll tell you right now, Angelo, for the first time ever, I have oh never done this God. for the first time ever. 
we don't have one lock of the week. Okay. We don't even have we don't even have we have two lock of the weeks. We are going to have three lock of the weeks because I could not decide between the three of them. I think they're all guaranteed wins. So I have three lock of the weeks this week. Kay Hansen, Mark Manson, and my man Mickey Gall. And a former lock of the week before. He's already won it before. He beat Jordan Williams was the lock of the week. I'm going all in, Mickey Gall. I have him in a parlay with the three favorites uh, later on on the main card. And that and those odds are crazy. Uh, I, I love, love Mickey Gall in this fight. I think he's better everywhere. I could see him getting a finish. Uh, getting the back of Mike and just really showing him what the UFC is all about. I'm making all the way. Yeah, we're completely aligned on this. And I think the experience is the biggest factor. Even if Mike Malott is better, which I don't think he is, the experience at this level, it, ma- it matters very much. And, and you talked about it. I kind of much. mentioned the interview I watched, not to interrupt a little bit, but you know, he he mentioned that these regional guys will come in and train with me and see my record and be like, oh, I can take down Mickey Gall. I can do this and this. And the strength is different. The positions are different. He is a battle-tested guy, Mickey Gall, Mickey Gall is. So I, I like him in this fight. No, I completely agree. And it's an interesting matchup that the UFC did. I think it's just, I think they're literally just text, testing Mike just to see. But he's a good-looking guy. He's got a good record. I imagine the UFC wants him to win. But, you know, I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, I love Mickey Gall in DraftKings, $7,400. Listen, this week, there's a couple of massive favorites. And you're going to need at least two of them in your lineup. You're going to. So you're going to need some pretty heavy underdogs. And Mickey Gall fits that bill, $7,400. bucks. you are getting him under $8,000. That's a great price tag. What do you think? Yeah, I'm worried that he might, like, do something like pull guard and then he's getting beat on and stuff like that. But he looks, he seems confident. I love the Sanford for me. I'm definitely taking the uh, Mickey Gall $7,400. Yeah. I'm going to have my, my lot. going to be a little bit crazy. Three lock of the weeks. It's going to be top heavy, bottom heavy, and we're feeling good. All right. Sounds good there. And then the monkey knife fight strike line, 37 to 53. I'm not touching it. I have no idea what to do with that strike line. I am not touching it. What do you think? It's probably more and more. It's a little bit low because Mike has all those first round finishes, I think. But I think that it extends, if if anything. I'd probably play them more and more. Yeah, 53 is a lot for uh, for Mike Malott. It wasn't supposed to all rhyme. Right, then play just, less. Just, I'm just playing less. I'm playing more Yeah, more. I just don't know what to do with the line, so I'm not going to play it at all. Okay, how about that? But if you know what you want to do and you want to play that line, go to wewantpicks.com slash MKF. They will instantly match your deposit up to $100. It's daily fantasy, super easy, ton of fun. And if you want $50 free dollars, maybe you take that 50 bucks, you put it on Monkey Knife Fight. If you want 50 free bucks, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners. Make a deposit. Let me know after you do. And we send you $50 as a thank you for supporting us and our partners. Then we've got Aspen Ladd taking on short-notice replacement Raquel Pennington. Aspen Ladd is 9-2 overall, 4-1 in her last five, and she's riding a three-fight win streak. Sorry, Raquel Pennington. That was Raquel Pennington. I'm going to redo this intro. Next up, next up at UFC 273, we have Aspen Ladd taking on short-notice replacement Raquel Pennington. Aspen Ladd is 9-2 overall, 3-2 in her last five, coming off a disappointing return after a two-year layoff. Raquel Pennington, 13-8 and eight overall, 4-1 and one in her last five. She's riding a three-fight win streak, and she is coming off a stoppage win, which is pretty impressive, especially for her just three months ago. I mentioned Raquel Pennington. She's stepping up on short notice. Aspen Ladd's original opponent, Irene Aldana, dropped. And Raquel Pennington, she is Tisha Torres' girlfriend. They live together. They train together. Tisha Torres is on this card. 
we just have to assume Raquel Pennington is in shape and she's in every single one of those training sessions getting in the same work. So uh, while it's short notice and being a training partner is not true fight camp, I imagine her cardio will be just fine. Raquel Pennington is a tried and true vet. She's been fighting the top of the division for about 10 years. If you look at her record, she has only lost to the best women on the planet. Her last losses have all been to current or former champions. She marches forward with strikes and then she just controls you from there. She's got a pretty boring grappling style and her last fight is obviously excluded from this, but her last fight was her first stoppage since 2015. So you got to factor in everything, not just that one fight. But she does have that boring grappling style because she's not really looking to get you to the ground. She's not looking to submit you. She just sort of holds you against the cage, controls you, removes whatever tools you may have, and then rides out a decision. But she's got good cardio, and she's pretty sound everywhere. Aspen Land, I mentioned she's coming off that. She had a two-year layoff. She came back, and she lost to Norma Dumont. And she was just a step behind that entire fight. Technique-wise, she's not very technical, but she's really, really tough. She's decent everywhere, and she has zero quit in her whatsoever. She isn't just a wild striker, though. She can grapple. She took down Yannick Kunitskaya before her layoff twice. Shajar Eubanks down three times. And this is a trickier fight to break down than Irene Aldana because I thought Irene Aldana was going to beat Aspen Ladd. Just... Touch and go, keep the jab in her face super fast, and Aspen would be a step behind, just like her last fight. But this is very different. Raquel Pennington is not that type of striker. She just comes in, holds you against the cage. And Raquel Pennington is very good. She's very experienced, but styles make fights. And I think Pennington's style of just hold you against the cage and win a decision, I don't know how well that works with Aspen because Aspen is a dog and she's tough. I don't think she's just going to accept having her back against the cage. She she didn't accept anything in that normal loss. And yes, she was a step behind and really couldn't make up that, that distance. But she didn't accept any of that. She just continued the fight, continued to come forward, continued to make something happen. I like Aspen Ladd to win here. She's a massive underdog. And this is one of those things. I broke it down and then I looked at the odds. And then when I saw the odds, I'm like, am I an idiot? Am I like way off here? And I get it. Raquel Pennington has literally only lost two champions. She's only lost to champions in the UFC. Every loss is to an, is a champion. But Styles make fights, and I think Aspen trying to get off that cage, not accepting that, staying busy, throwing hands, knowing that her career is sort of in the balance. Both of these women fighting at 135 instead of 45. You know, I like Aspen Ladd to win here. I'm not going to do a money line bet on her, even though the odds are fantastic. I might do a plus three and a half, though. Because even if she doesn't win the fight, I think she absolutely wins a single round because she's got no quit in her. So if you don't know what a plus three and a half is, you buy one round. You just buy one round on the judge's scorecard. So all that needs to happen is Aspen wins one round on her own, which come off the cage, throw some hands, maybe get your own takedown. She can win a round. I think she wins the fight, but she can absolutely win one round. And then I bought the other round and your bet cashes. You're only going to get that at weonpicks.com slash bets. We have five partners. Bet online is the one partner that lets you buy around on the scorecard. Jakey, what do you think? i tell you what, Angelo. For the first time. Shut up. I, I, I'm just kidding. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm done with the lock of weeks. But I will <laughs> say, I, I, mean, I do kind of agree with you with this fight. I, I, I saw this, and I understand why Raquel is the favorite because she's looked great in her last few fights. She is nasty. Uh, and Aspen in her last fight, was that was an embarrassing performance. But if you look yes. at mixed martial artists, Aspen Ladd's the better fighter, I, I think, from from top to bottom, except for those kind of clinch situations. I think Raquel 
kind of shines in those situations. But top to bottom, I think Aspen is the better fighter in this matchup. So, I mean, if you're looking at odds and you're picking a fight, it's hard not to pick the better fighter regardless of how she looked in her last fight. And I actually think that that's going to help her performance in this fight because it was so embarrassing. Not only the way she performed, but the way her coaches were yelling at her in the corner, like, what the hell are you doing? I think she was completely out of it for whatever reason. Maybe it was no fans, maybe whatever. I think she comes out and tries to prove her point. We've seen before in the past in her fights how disgusting she is nasty she gets on the ground with those elbows she is as you said just tough as shit comes and does whatever she wants to do in those fights typically that was a maybe it was the jitters coming off the layoff we'll see what happens i think she comes out and just steamrolls raquel pellington and i don't think she's gonna be able to put her away because raquel is tough but i think she's able to get the takedowns that she used to get able to land the ground and pound that she used to do the big question mark is is she going to make weight? She's had weight cut issues before. She's missed weight a number of times. Last weight, our last fight was at the 145. We'll see how she looks on the scale because uh, she's had some scary, scary moments on the scale before. So it'll be interesting to see how she looks on the scale. If she looks fine, I'm going to be all in on Aspen Ladd. I don't have any bets on her right now. She's not my lock of the week. She is my pick in this fight. But, and I agree. I, I think it's, I think people are underplaying the importance of Tisha being on this card too, because that does mess with you. And we've seen that before with, I guess, JP buys and Cheyenne not buys anymore, but we've seen that happen. People, you know, spouses and, and boyfriend or girlfriend and stuff on the cards. I think it messes with you mentally. I, I really do. So Tisha being on the card, I don't like that for Raquel. I'm picking Aspen Lett. I'm, I'm very surprised that we agree here. I thought for sure, nobody else agrees with me. I'm seeing every comment um, during for my quick picks was just trashing it. So I'm, I'm surprised we agree here. Aspen Ladd, 7,300 I mean, people forget how good Aspen Ladd really is. They saw that last fight, and they're like, oh, I mean, well, I mean she's good. She's a very good fighter. Well, and she had a two-year layoff. Like, it was two full years. And people, oh, Dominic Cruz, no. Nah. It was a two-year layoff, and it affected her, and she was fighting a very crisp, mobile striker. And that is not what Raquel Pennington is. So we're surprisingly aligned on this fight. DraftKings, 7,300 bucks. Listen, we, we said it. You need underdogs for your DraftKings lineup because there's some tremendous favorites that unfortunately are worth the money. So I, I think she's a solid underdog at 7,300 bucks. I'm seeing comments, this is a 50-50 fight. So if you think this is a 50-50 fight and you're going to get these kind of odds and this kind of DraftKings pricing on one of them, you got to do it. You got to do it. Um, I'm assuming you agree you're not in your head. Monkey Knife Fight, it probably is more and more. I don't think there's a stoppage here. Both these women will go at it. They're both super tough. And, and honestly, it's probably more or less because Raquel Pennington is not a high-volume person. So it's probably more or less. What do you think of the Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line? I think it's a more and more. I agree. I think this is if there was ever a fight that I was going to put a lot of money on to go decision, it's probably this one. They're, they're both tough. They both just stay in the pocket. Neither one of them has crazy power. So, yeah, more and more. Okay. Well, look at us agreeing on everything. Um, and if you want to check out Monkey Knife Fight, go to wewantpicks.com slash m. KF, they will instantly match your deposit up to, up to $100. Next up at UFC 273, we have Jarzinho Rosenstruck taking on Marcin Tybora. Jarzinho Rosenstruck, 12-3 overall. He's 2-3 in his last five, alternating wins and losses. Marcin Tybora is 22-7 overall. He's 4-1 in his last five. 
coming off the decision loss to Volkov, where he just could not find the takedowns. And Jarzinho Rosenstruck's a very heavy-handed striker. He's coming off that one-sided loss to Curtis Blades, but before that, he had a really nice win over Augusto Sakai. And what was interesting about that fight was that we saw Jarzinho pushing the pace, moving forward, and historically, he's sort of a counter-striker. He waits, he takes his time, he just throws one big punch. And he ends up falling behind on scorecards and losing a decision or just finding that big punch and making something happen. The biggest issue with Rosenstruck's style is if he can't win the striking exchanges, he has no backup plan. He has zero takedowns in the UFC and his takedown defense does sit at 75%. He has been taken down by basically every decent heavyweight that he has fought. Curtis Blades, obviously. Cyril Gaon and even Alistair Overeem all took Jarzinho Rosenstruck down. And Marci Tarbora is a grinder. He never quits. He's busy everywhere. His striking is just okay. And he is more of a punches and punches kind of guy. But And the strikes are really there just to set up his takedowns, though. And if he gets a takedown, he will pound on you until you quit. He's not looking for submissions. He's not looking for precision. He will take you down and just busy, busy, busy on top. Try to make something happen. And there was a period in time where Tybora was a stepping stone. He had losses to Verdum, Derek Lewis, Shamil, and Sakai. And then he sort of put things together and he's gone on his own streak and he's had a lot of his own success recently. I think this is as simple as striker versus grappler, this matchup. You know, Rosenstruck is a very good striker, but he can have low volume. Tybora is a very, very solid grappler for a heavyweight, but he has had chin issues in the past. The odds makers... They have Rosenstruck just moving as, you know, the line's moving a little bit. He's becoming a bigger favorite as the week goes on. I like Marcin Tybora. I think Marcin Tybora should actually be the favorite. I think it should be minus 120 for him instead of plus 130. So I think Tybora's got a real clear path to victory here. Just take Rosenstruck down, work from there, obviously avoid the big strikes. So Tybora's the pick, but you got to be very careful when you have anybody fighting a giant heavyweight striker like Rosenstruck, Jackie boy, what do you think? Uh, I think that Josh Locks just donated $20, and that's the most incredible thing I've ever seen uh, in my life. Thank you, uh, Josh, Josh Locks. Thank man. you very much for the donation. As always, it is incredibly appreciated, and hopefully we continue to make you some money. Yeah, and speaking of Locks, for the first time ever, yeah, I see this almost as the same as the Aspen Lad fight. I, I I look at that fight and I say I think Aspen Lad is the overall better fighter in that matchup. And I look at this fight and I agree with you. I think that Marcin Tabor is overall the more well-rounded fighter in this matchup. And I uh, 100% agree that this is grappler versus striker. It's either going to be Rosenstruck knocks him out going for a takedown or Tyborian is able to get the takedown and wins the fight. So there's not, I don't think there's a lot of breakdown in this fight. I think it's very cut and dry. Either Tabor is able to get the takedowns. He was 0 and 16 on takedowns versus Volkov. If he does that again, he's going to lose the fight just like he lost that fight or he's going to get knocked out. He's got to get a takedown early, establish that grappling ability, wear down Rosenstruck uh, a little bit. So those power shots aren't quite as powerful later on if he does happen to land on him. Um, but yeah, I think this is a hundred percent. Either Rosenstruck gets the knockout or, or Tabora gets the, uh, the, the, the grappling advantage is able to control him. And with that said, I, I I'm with you. I like Tabor in this fight. Yeah. And you, you mentioned he couldn't get the takedowns against Volkov. And if you go back and watch our breakdown going into that fight, I said, he was going to struggle with those takedowns because he relies on holding you against the kid. Like his takedowns are not 
Curtis Blades. He doesn't lower his level, take a shot, and shoot a takedown. He bullies you to the ground. He holds you against the cage, trips, drags. And Volkov is just too tall, too long, can spread the legs really wide and defend those. So he was never going to have that success against Volkov with the way that he wrestles. But Jorginho Rosenstruck is not very, you know, he's got wrestling takedown defense because he's just strong. He just lifts underhooks where I think Marcin Tybor can get him against Cajun and get that done. But certainly his teeth can leave his mouth in that fight as well. What I will say is, you know, Monkey Knife Fight has something called Knockout Kings. You pick any three fighters on the card, any three fighters on the card. And if any one of them wins by KO or TKO, you get a 25% net return on your profit. If two win, you two and a half times your money. Rosenstruck, while I think he loses, I, he absolutely can win by knockout. He should be one of your three in Knockout Kings. Check that out at weonpicks.com slash MKF. What do you think of DraftKings? I'm not comfortable enough with either one of these guys probably to put in DraftKings. Pass. I agree. There's a lot of fights on this card. You do not need to force anybody into your DraftKings lineup. And um, I just mentioned Monkey Knife Fight. Don't even mess with the strike line. Just throw Rosenstruck in your Knockout Kings. Do you agree, Jacob Lines? 100%. I don't know what you said, but 100%. Okay. Well, we've got you trained. You got like me a trained. Dog. Yeah, there you go. Next up, at UFC 273, we have Ian Gary taking on Darian Weeks. Ian Gary is 8-0 overall. He's obviously 5-0 in his last five, and he's coming off a knockout win in his UFC debut. Darian Weeks is only 5-1 in his career. He's 4-1 in his last five, and he's coming off a decision loss in his UFC debut. And before I continue with this breakdown, Gabriel Tor with a $50 donation. That is incredible. Thank you very, very much. That is incredibly appreciated. And hopefully this insight is helping you win as much money as possible. And that's how you can afford to give us this. So thank you very much. That is very appreciated. Wait till you hear this pick. <laughs> I hope I don't let you down. Refund. I hope I don't let you down, Gabriel. But thank you very, very much. Ian Gary is pretty young in his career with only eight fights, but just like his last matchup, the UFC marketing machine is going to be looking for him to get a highlight win so they can push him hard. He's a good striker. He's got crazy hand speed and fantastic footwork. And we learned a lot from his last fight, and it's not all good news. <laughs> yes, if you're a tapology person and you just want to look at tapology, he won by knockout, and that seems impressive. But he was on the wrong side of most of those striking exchanges, and he actually tried to wrestle. So this is the striker that everybody says is the next Conor McGregor, and he's out there trying to wrestle because he was on the wrong <laughs> side of some of those exchanges. He's hittable. You saw that. You can see that with his negative striking differential. And I think Ian Gary has a ton of potential, but he needs to clean up some of those things so he doesn't lose to more technical strikers. And Darian Weeks, he's coming off a loss in his UFC debut. That was against Brian Barberena. But he did have four takedowns, and he landed more strikes in that fight. Darian is a wrestler who's very comfortable striking. He's got real power in his hands, explosive takedowns, and he has legit submissions, so he's a threat. There's a ton of tape on him, and one of the most impressive things I saw breaking down tape, and I mentioned this last time we broke him down, is he defended a takedown against Greg uh, Craig Fairley, and it was incredible how he defended it. Craig got the single, picked it up, did all the things, was pressuring all the things you're supposed to do to get a takedown. 
And Darian Weeks just kept his composure, leg clean in the air, had incredible balance, never panicked, and had zero issues. Zero issues getting out of that. And that was a guy at the time who was only a few fights into his career. So his composure is very, very impressive. And he is incredibly athletic that he was able to balance and work through that. And that is something that I factor in for sure. I think the UFC set this fight up because they're hoping to build Ian. They trust his power, his striking. They trust his ability to keep the fight standing. And if the fight stays standing, he should win. I'm just not sure if it's going to stay standing. Darian had great success against Brian Barberena, who's also a really fun striker. And the odds right now, we see they're moving. He opened, Ian Gary opened it as a 2-1 to favorite. He's now almost a 4-1 to favorite. They continue to move for Ian Gary. And I, I man, Darian Weeks, I mentioned he had success against Brian do Barberena. It. He had four takedowns. It. But he was hit 108 times. And I think Ian Gary's got more power than Brian Barberena. And if he hits you 108 times, that could be a problem. Man, I picked Ian Gary when I broke it down last week. And I, I'm just so, I'm this close to picking Darian Weeks. Man. I think I might throw a buck or two on Darian Weeks. Do it. Just, pick, just, just pick him. Please just pick him for once. Just say you're going to pick him. Just pick him. <sighs> I, I guess I'm changing my pick to Darian Weeks. Ian Gary just looked bad in that last fight. He gets hit, dude, a lot. What do you think? So, you're, so your official pick now is Darian Weeks? I guess so. All right, I'm going Ian Gary 100%. That dude's going to get knocked idiot. Yeah. That dude is going to get flatlined <laughs> inside of 30 seconds. No, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I When I have my sheet right here in front of me, I highlight the name of the person that I pick, right? They are both highlighted on my sheets. I wanted so bad to pick Darian Weeks. I was seeing the same thing you were seeing. I love the wrestling ability. Ian Gary in that last fight, I rewatched that last fight a few times, just getting absolutely, I don't want to say destroyed by Jordan Williams, but he was getting to a point where he was like, oh, shit. And that first round was going to Jordan Williams until that last five seconds, that little exchange they had, where he was able to get the knockout. Darian Weeks can wrestle. He's got to slow this fight down. He's got to slow... This fight down. This is a nice bouncing in and out pace. Boom, boom, boom. This is going to be Ian Garen's fight, and he's going to look like what everyone thinks he should look like because this is an opponent that he's going to have this speed advantage, and that's why, unfortunately, I did pick Ian Gary. Obviously, he's a huge favorite. The odds are crazy. I respect you 100% for going Darren Weeks. I wanted to do it, but I watched, rewatched a few of those fights. I rewatched that Barry, uh, that uh, Barbarino fight. And Weeks is just a little slow to me. He just in those exchanges, he just doesn't quite have the speed that I think that Ian Gary has in the striking. If he's able to use the grappling and wear down Ian Gary, and we'll see what happens in the second and third rounds, if he's able to do that, I think this fight can be very, very interesting. It could be a live odd situation. If this gets out of the first round, if Darian maybe is able to get a take the bat, but you know, Ian is winning the striking exchanges. Darian could be a after the first round could be a plus seven hundred. You know, plus 600, something crazy on those live odds, and it, it, we'll see what happens. But I wanted to pick Darren Weeks. I picked him originally, then I went back and rewatched it. I don't like the speed and the striking or the defense in Darren Weeks. That's why I end up going with Ian Gary. But, you know, I, I respect you 100% for making Darren Weeks your lock of the week, and we'll see how it plays out. <laughs> so I've broken down this fight three big times. Balls. This week. Big balls, Angelo. Lock of I've, the week. Wow. I've broken down this fight three times this week. I've picked Ian Gary every single time. But it's, I've always said it's like so stupid razor thin. Like 
I think it's right. I, I really do think it's razor thin. I said after Ian Gary's last fight, I was like, I there's no way I'm picking this guy in his next fight. Any technical striker is going to light him up. The problem is Darian Weeks is not a technical striker, but he does have volume. He is tough. I mean, that Brian Barberena fight, he was in that fight. He had, he statistically won the fight. He had he landed more strikes and had four takedowns. He won that fight statistically. And he's a tough guy. He's an athletic guy. Uh, you know, so I, I'm just going to uh, just gonna do it. This is such a tough card. This is such a tough card. It's fun card. picking big underdogs, isn't it? Especially when you make it. No, it's, it's miserable and nerve-wracking. It's such a tough card because there's a lot of close fights on here, and there's a couple of giant favorites. So everybody's going to get the giant favorite ones right. And then the the undercard is a mess of close fights to go either way. People's pick records this week are going to be very, very interesting. So How we'll see what happens. Total? Uh, I think, is there 14 or there's 13 because we lost yeah, Kelvin? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll probably go 14 and other than. Yeah, that's probably. Anyway. 13. So I'll, I'm, yeah, not, 13 for me. I'm not spending, even when I was picking Ian Gary, which, you know, we'll see come the weekend. $9,200, he's not worth that. I don't think he's worth that. This is too close of a fight. And I don't know why everybody thinks Darian Weeks is like some bomb that's going to get, he's going to get knocked out. Why? Ian Gary's 8-0. and Everybody's acting, people making the Conor McGregor comparisons are absolute fools. That dude was hit more in that one fight than Conor McGregor was hit in his entire UFC career leading up to the Nate Diaz fight. Like, come on. He was lit up. He looked awful in that fight. Well, uh, you know, I understand. You're trying to, it sounds like you're trying to convince yourself right now. I'll just say it sounds like you're trying to convince yourself that Darren Weeks is the good pick. So I just, I, I've been there. Are you I've spending, there. Are you I know spending, what you're doing right now. Are you I, I, spending I the, the $9,200? Listen, once you make some of your lock of the week, you got to really go all in. So I respect it. I respect it. Are, uh, $9,200? No. No, no. Oh, okay. Interesting. Well, I said it's a close fight. I said I wanted to pick Weeks, but you know, I wasn't going to make it my lock that you did. So. <laughs> Um, I'm not touching monkey knife fight in this fight either because yeah, you know, anything could happen. Anything could happen. A dangerous striker versus a what powerful, a great, what a great breakdown, a anything powerful wrestler. That is right. Anything could happen. <laughs> so yeah, not happening. I'm leaving this one alone, but if you want to throw some extra money in your wallet, go to, we slash bets. We are giving away 50 dollars to every single person that goes at we want picks.com slash bets signs up with any one of our five betting partners and makes a deposit you get 50 bucks it's that simple we want picks.com slash bets and then next up at ufc 273 we have what is probably the most my most controversial breakdown this week people the amount of time people have spent arguing with me about this fight is insane we have Mackenzie dern taking on tisha tiny tornado torres and Mackenzie Dern is 11-2 overall. She's 4-1 in her last five. She's coming off that one-sided loss to Marina Rodriguez. And Tisha Torres is 13-5. She's 3-2 in her last five. And she's coming off a dominant win over Angela Hill. Mackenzie Dern, she's an amazing grappler. And she's trouble for anybody that she goes to the ground with. Anybody on the ground with her is in some some sort of trouble. Her striking has improved over the years, but she's definitely not a striker. And sometimes she's way too comfortable striking where she's just coming forward, bombing away and not even looking for takedowns. And the issue is even if she's looking for takedowns, she's not very good. She's not very good. She has a 10% 
takedown accuracy and cue Angelo's rant on phenomenal grapplers that can't wrestle. It makes no sense. I don't know how you can literally be at one point in time, the best human being. If you look at the planet earth at one point in time, Mackenzie Dern was the best on that entire thing at jujitsu, the best. And she just never spent the time to learn wrestling takedowns. I just don't understand how you can be that she was good on the too ground. busy trying to learn English. That's my second rant, which is coming up. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I just, I will never understand that. She's not the only fighter. She's just the most obvious one that struggles from this because she's stupid tough, stupid tough, phenomenal on the ground, zero takedown offense. Makes absolutely no sense. Tisha Torres is good absolutely everywhere. She's got very nice boxing. She stays in people's faces. She's a good grappler with good wrestling, insane cardio. Her only losses since 2017 have been decisions and to the top women on the planet. All but one of them is a former champion. And that one, the, the one was Marina Rodriguez, who could absolutely be a future champion. I was hoping when this opened that everybody was going to be on Mackenzie Dern, literally because of the name. But... Tisha Torres actually opened as a medium-sized favorite, and the money has moved. Tisha Torres is now underdog on a lot of cards, or even, and here she's even an underdog on these odds, which is honestly surprising me. Uh, and I'll just, again, I'll never understand how somebody could be that good at jiu-jitsu, not have the wrestling. Mackenzie Dern, if this is a grappling match, dominates. I don't see her getting takedown. She has a 10% takedown accuracy. She's not going to take down Tisha Torres. Tisha Torres is not somebody that gets taken down all the time. She's got crazy fast hands, incredibly mobile, insane cardio. I think Tisha Torres wins. I think she dominates. I got a money line bet on Tisha Torres at this point. And my last little rant, Mackenzie Dern's accent is fake. Somebody spent literal hours today writing full paragraphs to me about Mackenzie Dern's accent. And listen, she grew up in Arizona. Grew up in Arizona. Yes, her father is Brazilian. My parents are not from America. And I grew up in America. And I don't need a translator after my fights. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. The accent is fake. Well, that well, the translator was for the Brazilian fans. It wasn't for her. What are so you talking he could... about? She speaks perfect Portuguese. I know they, they. She was speaking English, but he translated por Portuguese for everyone no, listening. No, George Gurgel was translating Portuguese to English for her. No, he was doing it for. Okay, the shut up. You're wrong. Pull it up, and she's done it in multiple fights. Anyway, Tisha Torres love the pick. I love my own pick. Pick and Tisha. I imagine most people are on that side as well, including you, Jacob. What do you think? Yeah, Mackenzie Dern, listen, former lock of the week. And for the first time ever, Angelo, we have no, – she's not going to lock. Yeah, I'm not. I, <laughs> former lock of the week, I love Mackenzie Dern for obvious reasons. Uh, she, I've called her a number of times the Francis Naganu of the ground, right? If you land in Francis Naganu's fist and your face is going to get knocked out, if you go to the ground with Mackenzie Dern, you're going to get submitted. That's what's going to happen. Just 100% of the time, you will get submitted if you're on the ground with Mackenzie Dern. So I am biased in my love for Mackenzie Dern. I, I former lock of the week, blah, blah, blah. I think Tisha Torres dominates this fight, and she might even finish Mackenzie Dern. Not like a she's, 
she's not a powerful knockout, but I think it's one of those volume up against the fence because McKenzie's tough. But I think it's going to be those the rest fight back, fight back, boom, 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 boom. Tisha's just all over late second, third round can finish McKenzie Dern because this fight is not going to go to the ground. Mackenzie Dern is not going to be able to take Tisha Torres down. Tisha Torres has been around the block. She knows not to go to the ground. Mackenzie Dern, she's not that stupid. Unless something weird happens, something like trip. We saw that with the uh, the Blood Diamond and Jeremiah Wells fight where Blood Diamond just – or Jeremiah Wells kind of like fell down and Blood Diamond for some reason jumped on top of him and ended up getting submitted. Tisha Torres isn't going to do that, but maybe some weird exchange happens to where they end up on the ground and Mackenzie's able to get a submission win, a Hail Mary submission. That's really her only chance. I, I mean – in the striking, McKenzie has done better in the striking. Her only losses are the two best women in the division, in, uh, in Marina Martin Rodriguez and Amanda Hibas. And she lost striking battles to both, but she she hung tough. And, and she is tough, and she will be there. Tisha Torres, just her volume and her precision in the striking. She's going to bust up McKenzie Dern's face. It is going to be a bloodbath in there. I, I'm Tisha Torres all the way, and I am very – you know – I am very biased to Mackenzie Dern. I love Mackenzie Dern. Love what she does. I love Ryan Hall because of his jiu-jitsu. I love Mackenzie Dern for his jiu-jitsu. I don't think she gets a chance to use it. I'm Tisha Torres all the way in this fight. Yeah, and I was going to say at least a good bet here would be Mackenzie Dern wins inside the distance. Decision, no action. But that's minus 375. So that's Yeah, it's a crazy. Yeah, I, saw, I saw that too. I was saying <laughs> the same thing. I was like, oh. Yeah, that's not happening. Um, uh, we agree here. I think Tisha Torres is great value at $8,000 in DraftKings. Except... Except the fact that I actually don't think she scores very well. Because without takedowns and without control time, you're really just relying on strikes to score points. And strikes are literally a fraction of a point in DraftKings. So as as high as I am on Tisha Torres, and I, I have a money line bet on Tisha Torres, I, uh, I don't think she'll be in my DraftKings lineup. I'll have to look, but... Because I don't think she gets a stoppage. And you know, just strikes don't necessarily add up to a ton of points. What do you think? I don't know. Last uh, against Angela Hill, she landed 166 strikes. If she's able to do that, Mackenzie Dern, as tough as she is, is hittable. There's a reason why you're tough, right? Yeah. You show toughness when you get hit and you don't get knocked out. And nobody knows really if you're tough, you don't get hit. Mackenzie Dern is very, very hittable. Tisha Torres is going to be all over her from the opening bell. Um, I'm not going to play her $8,000, but I, I don't, you know, if, if people want to play it, I, I can see the value there. Yep. Well, Monkey Knife Fight, I think it's more and more. I think it's a war, I think it's a decision. And when I say war, I don't think it's close. I just think it's, you know, Mackenzie Dern is, I'm, I'm trashing her accent and her wrestling skills, but she's tough. She's very she's tough. tough. Her, her nose is going to break inside of 30 seconds. She always breaks her nose. She's going to be bleeding, but she's yeah. she'll probably be there. She'll probably be there late. I, I honestly think that Tisha's going to be able to finish her, but we'll see what happens. And listen, this read could be way off because Mackenzie Dern, who has proven to be an elite level athlete. I mean, she literally was one of the best on planet Earth at a combat sport. So I've seen some of you comment, she's the worst Miss Marvel artist I've ever seen in the history of it. That's crazy. That's crazy to say. Because she, at one point in time, was the greatest in the world at something. And nobody in our live chat could say that. And if she's taken sort of that commitment, those abilities, everything that got her to that point in the jujitsu world and has focused nonstop on her wrestling, she can be a threat. And she may come out with a wrestle-heavy game plan and look good. 
That is a possible outcome. I would, but, I would love that if she came out and shot like a double and got Tisha down and submitted. I would, I'd be all, I would be all over that. That'd be. Incredible. It is. It's literally better for the division if Mackenzie Dern smokes Tisha Torres. It is better for the division. Fresh blood, finally living up to the hype. I don't think it's likely because we can only work with what we've seen and what's happened in matchups and everything we've seen up to this point tells us that won't happen. But again, elite level. Olympic gold medal level, because there is no Olympics, right? Olympic gold level medal athlete in here. And she's still young. She's not old and used up. She's 11 and 2. She's still young. She's still learning. And she's tough. You see some of these people with those credentials come in here. You can't. can't. And how many times have we seen people with that level skill set and they turn, I don't want to get hit. That is not Mackenzie Dern at all. So I'm not trying to trash her. I just... The fact that she can't get it to the ground is the problem. But if she focuses on that skill set, she's she's a big deal. But Tisha Torres is the pick. I got the bet. And I think Monkey Knife Fight more and more is clear as day. We want picks.com slash bets. Sign up. Make a deposit. Let us know after you do. We send you $50 as a thank you for supporting us and our partners. Look at her ribs. Oh, my God. Look at that. Is it the same tattoo? It's a heartbeat. and then Oh, but yours is your dog paw or something, isn't it? It's a heartbeat. To, to a dog paw, and that's to somebody's name. But look right, at you Markel. guys. Two peas in a pod. Two peas in a pod. Next up, at UFC 273, I think we have what is, honestly, probably the most highly anticipated fight on the card. I'm actually more excited for this fight than the some of the others. The people's main event. Yes, you said that in like a chant voice, but no chant actually came the after that. The so. people's main event. Fix your, in, fix your inflection before you start jumping in. We've got Gilbert Burns taking on Hazmat, not Kazmat, Angelo in your stupid Connecticut accent. Hazmat Shamayev. Gilbert Burns, 20-4 and four overall. He's 4-1 and one in his last five. Coming off a nice win over Steven Wonderboy Thompson. Hazmat Shamayev is 10-0 with 10 stoppages. <laughs> the guy is a beast. Gilbert Burns bounced back after that Usman loss. And in that fight, let's not forget that he dropped Usman and showed that he had some very real power. But he bounced back after that to have a very dominant grappling win over Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. He took Wonderboy down three times and he controlled that entire fight. And historically, Wonderboy was a guy that had some pretty solid takedown defense. Gilbert is a grappler who has developed some striking over time. He's pretty good everywhere and his power is really impressive in his hands considering that he's a 155-pounder that moved up to welterweight. Hazmat Shemaev is an interesting guy to break down because he's incredibly dominant. He seems unstoppable. So we have really no... We haven't seen any examples of adversity, so I don't know how he's going to react if he gets taken down, if he gets hit in the mouth, right? We just don't know what's going to happen there. But he's very good. He has very good wrestling, very good grappling, very good ground and pound, legit hands, and he sets an incredible pace. He's always hitting you with something. He has that Khabib-style chain wrestling with an added layer of striking. His stats are insane. He has four fights in the UFC, and he has only been hit one single time in four fights. One single strike in four fights with four opponents has land. That's it. He's taken everyone down in the UFC except Gerald Mearshart, who he knocked out in just a few seconds. And I'm really excited for this fight. It's a massive step up for Shemaev, which, you know, I think we all want him to, you know, we just want to see how good he actually is. He fought four people 
who could not sniff the top 20, let alone the top five. This was another comment I made that people went nuts talking about, oh, Jing Lang was top 10. Jing Lang was top 10. How could you say he's never fought an opponent? Shut the hell up about that nonsense. Jing Lang is top. Get out of here. Get, anybody who watches me talk for two hours, break down fights in incredible detail, and then argues in the comments about one sentence is an absolute Muppet with too much free time on their hands. The point there was nobody Shemaya fought was ranked anywhere near where Gilbert Burns is. And this is a massive step up. Gilbert Burns is a wealth of experience with power in his hands. He's got his own grappling offense. He's only been taken down two times in his last 11 fights. And that was by Damian Maya. So both those takedowns were by from one person. And he stopped Damian Maya. But I do think Shemayev absolutely dominates here. His wrestling is ridiculous. And that's the clearest path in the world. It is hard, or it feels hard to like just quickly dismiss Gilbert Burns. Like, ah, Gilbert Burns is going to get smoked. But the reality is styles make fights. Gilbert Burns needs to grapple to win. Look at his wins. They're grappling wins outside of a handful. He is not going to out-wrestle Shemayev. He's not going to take Shemayev down. Impossible. And who is he submitting? When was the last time you saw Gilbert Burns throw up a triangle or an armbar from bottom? That's not going to happen. Gilbert Burns gets taken down, beat on, unfortunately. All the credit in the world to him to taking this fight. This is not an easy... Nobody wants to take this fight. Gilbert Burns ranked very high. It's just a really bad matchup for him because I think there's actually people ranked lower than Gilbert that would have more success against Shemaev than he would. So clear pick, obvious pick. I think the odds are correct. What do you think, Jake? I actually was a little bit higher on Gilbert Burns than more than most people leading up to this fight the last few weeks. I was like, you know, I, I think that Gilbert, I like Gilbert Burns and this is why. I like him because he's... He'll be able to survive. A lot of people against Shimaev, they get to the ground and they're clueless, right? They don't know what's going on. He's able to submit them, TKO, whatever. Gilbert Burns is a world-class grappler, jiu-jitsu guy, no-gi, world champion, whatever, the gold medals, whatever it is. So I think that he could survive it. In that surviving, we're going to figure out if Shimaev is able to do the same things he's doing in the second round, late second round. In the third round, does he still have those abilities to control the positions against a guy that's been there. He's been in those positions time and time again, Gilbert Burns. I don't think anyone in this division has probably trained more in those defensive positions more than Gilbert Burns. So I like his ability to survive in the matchup. And if this thing starts turning, you know, late second, early third round, it really only takes one scramble win for Gilbert Burns to win, where all of a sudden this thing gets very interesting. If Gilbert Burns is on your back in the late second round, the third round, you know, this thing could get very, very interesting. Is that going to happen? Probably not. You know, Chimiev is probably going to pick, you know, Burns up over his head in the first round, throw him to Dana White and said, bring me your next opponent. He should dominate his fight. <laughs> There's a reason why the odds are as wide as they are. And the thing that I hated more than anything in the world, I watched a video of Gilbert Burns training, right? He's leading up this fight. He's this big training, whatever. His coaches were talking. Wait till he shoots. Wait till he sees your guillotine. Wait till he sees your guillotine. He's going to lock up that neck. If Gilbert Burns, I mentioned this to you, Angela. If Gilbert Burns is going in with the strategy of, I'm <laughs> going to get a Hail Mary guillotine submission to beat Chimaev, if that is your strategy, not I'm going to offensive wrestle, I'm going to do this, I can, I have these you know abilities in the striking, I can hit him here. If your one game plan is, oh, I'm going to get a guillotine versus Chimaev on the – 
you're going to up on your back and you're going to get elbowed to the face until you are unconscious. I hate that strategy. I hope that was hopefully maybe even a joke by the coaches just to throw it on film just so Chimmy is like worried about it. But this should be Chimeyev all the way. If this goes to getting, you know, late second, late third, I hope it does. And I hope that Chimeyev is still able to dominate. I hope he is who we say he is. But, you know, this is kind of a weight, tough weight cut for him going down to 170. He's a 185er that fights at 170. Also, you know, he had the towel out one way and he was holding on to the towel. We'll see how he looks on Friday with the weigh-ins. But this should be Chimeyev all the way. But, you know, I'm a little bit higher on Burns than most people because I think he could survive and things could turn late. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it's hard to just dismiss, like, the number three-ranked guy in the world. Like, he's nothing. Versus, you know, I guess Shimei is ranked now, but the reality is he has four fights in the UFC. So, But styles make fights, and ultimately, that's what this is. It's just a very bad stylistic matchup for Gilbert Burns. I don't like him at 6800 bucks. I love Kazman at 94 I think you have to have Shemaev in your lineup at 9400 bucks. I, I think you need to. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think you have to. I, th- I, th- I think you have to. Yep. Uh, you know, I'm not placing a bet on the fight other than I'm going to parlay the three, you know, my three picks in the, in the feature co-main and main. But other than that, I'm not going to place a bet on Shemaev, maybe inside the distance if you want, but Gilbert Burns is tough and it's only a three round fight. Monkey knife fight. I'm not touching it. I'm not touching it because we just don't know. We haven't seen enough out of Shemaev to, to bet a round line or bet strikes. Like he's destroyed everybody, but this is a different opponent. I think it's. I think it's more. I, I honestly think that Burns' ability to survive is going to surprise a lot of people. He knows what he's doing on the ground. I mean, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to survive. If you're that good in jujitsu, you know how to position yourself. Yeah, but elbows in the mouth are elbows in the mouth. You know what I mean? Like, we'll see. Uh, we'll we'll see. I mean, but sixty-eight. I don't even know how Chris got to that number. Sixty-eight. The dude's landed like eleven fights in the UFC. Sixty-eight. Probably because anyway. he could put sixty-nine. Because <laughs> I know Probably. how Chris is. Nah, I know how well, Chris. if you guys want to check out Monkey Knife Fight and give it a stab, go to wewantpicks.com slash MKF. It is daily fantasy. It's super fun. There's a strike line on the screen, and you say, I think that fighter is going to land more or less. And if you're right, you win money. Wewantpicks.com slash MKF. And if you want $50 free dollars, five zero free dollars from us to you, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our betting partners, and we give you 50 bucks as a thank you. Next up at UFC 273, we have the co-main event of the evening, and we have a rematch that we have waited quite a while for. We have Aljamain Sterling taking on Piotr Jan. Aljamain Sterling, 20-3 overall. He's 5-0 in his last five, coming off the DQ win over Piotr Jan in their first matchup. Piotr Jan, 16-2 overall. He's 4-1 in his last five, coming off a very close decision win over Corey Sanhagen. It's been a year. We've been waiting a year for this fight. And we all remember what happened last time. But let me remind you, because I am positive a lot of you, like I did until I rewatched it, remember Piotr Jan kicking the crap out of Aljamain Sterling. But that is not what happened. That is not how that fight went down. We all just remember the theatrics that Aljamain did. And that's just manifesting in our head that he was getting smoked. And Piotr... No... Aljamain Sterling had a lot of success in that fight, especially early on. Um, Aljamain won the first round on some judges' scorecards, definitely won the second round. Literally every single judge in that fight gave the second round to Aljamain Sterling. Overall, as a fight, Aljamain landed 97 significant strikes. Piotr only landed 86. 
Yes, Piotr went seven for seven in takedowns, but he had four minutes of control time. Aljamain only had one takedown, but he did also have a reversal, and he had three minutes of control time. And I'm not saying Aljamain certainly won that first fight because he obviously did not. I, you know, I think the DQ was nonsense, the theatrics. Oh, I agree with all that crap. My point is, it was not the murder that everybody is remembering that it was. It, it was not that. Aljamain Sterling is a rangy striker with solid grappling. He started his career as a grappler and has takedowns in every single win before 2018. But over time, he sort of developed his own striking style where he uses kicks really well to manage range. And he almost lands five significant strikes per minute, which is good volume. And he only absorbs two. And that's because he does such a good job with his range and his footwork. Piotr Jan is a phenomenal striker with fantastic takedown defense. He's a nightmare for anyone that can't outstrike him. And that's pretty much everybody in the division. He plots forward with a Muay Thai style guard and then blasts away with power and accuracy. And to cap that off, he's a very good wrestler who averages more than two takedowns per fight. But taking him down is not easy to do. He's got 90% takedown defense over nine UFC fights. We've already seen this fight. And the first fight we saw Piotr winning. Since then, I think Piotr had, uh, you know, I said a close fight against Sanhagen. It wasn't super close, but a lot of people thought he was just going to put Sanhagen out. And he didn't. He lost a round in that fight. And I know he's a slow starter. But again, you know, we've seen him against Sanhagen. Wasn't exactly a uh, a one-sided absolute destruction. Aljamain Sterling in that same amount of time has been dealing with some pretty serious injuries. Listen, I am picking Piotr Jan. I think Piotr wins. We saw him win the first time. I think he's the better striker. I think he's proven that his power doesn't go away. His cardio is solid. Aljamain's cardio sort of died in the last fight. And Piotr's wrestling is legit. He went seven for seven on takedowns. Aljamain Sterling only went one for 17 because of the gas. So Piotr's the pick. But I think the odds are a little bit wide. Of the three, I think Piotr Jan is the one that actually can lose on Saturday night. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, let me preface what I'm about to say with Jan should win the fight, right? He's a 400 fair. So if you're going to come at me with like, oh, you're you crazy. Jan's going to win the fight. He should win the fight. He's a huge favorite. He should win the fight. He should dominate the fight. Uh, with that being said, I... I I'm I'm picking Aljo, man, and I'll tell you exactly why. Everyone went to harp on the one for 17 takedowns. That first takedown was easy. That thing was butter easy. What happened in that fight was Aljo got a little aggressive in the striking because Peter is a guy, a Piotr is a guy that will let you hit him, right? He's a high guard, shells up, and he'll let you hit him. Aljo was hitting him or thinking he was hitting him and just kind of blew his load in the first round. And couldn't get the takedowns late because of that. But if you watch that first takedown, that thing was easy. That thing was butter. And people do not respect Aljo for the wrestler and grappler that he is. And I think if he goes all in on the wrestling and all in on the grappling and just focus on that, forget the striking. You're not going to win a striking battle. You're going to keep punching his guard. You're going to wear yourself out. If you are going to strike, hit the body, go for the body, then go for the legs, go for the takedowns. If Aljo goes all in on the wrestling, all in on the grappling, which I think that he will. He trains with Mirab. He trains with Ally Quinta. They've got a good team there. I think that he can steal this fight. Not only is there a chance, maybe a submission. I don't think he's going to be able to submit Peter Jan uh, or Piotr Jan. But I think he can win a decision in this match if he goes all in with the wrestling because that first takedown was so easy for him. 
And if you watch in that second round, he he won that second round. Even in the third round, there was a lot of times where he's in on a single, right? He's He made it all the way in on a single. He's holding onto a single. Yana's against the fence, and he just couldn't get quite past that position. But if he goes all in on the wrestling in this time, and he's able to get him down the first. Second, he he didn't outstrike himself, or he didn't throw, he didn't gas himself with the striking. Now he's in on the single. Now he gets no takedown. Okay, now that's two rounds, right? Now it's the third round. Okay, he, he was in on a single in the third round of the last fight. Now he has the energy because he didn't gas himself. Now he's, he gets another takedown. He's winning the third round. Now all of a sudden he has three rounds banked already, and Jan has to finish the fight to win the fight. I think that's a very, very good possibility going to this fight. People are underestimating Aljamain Sterling in the wrestling, in the grappling. Again, people are going to be like, oh, my God, Kim, oh, my God. Piotr Jan should win this fight. He is the better fighter, probably top to bottom, except for in the wrestling. Grappling is probably even. I just think that there is an outside chance that Aljo comes in, all in on the wrestling, takedown control, win the first round, takedown control, win the second, takedown. I'm just saying, I'm picking Aljo. I know it's not going to be a popular pick. There's going to be a blowback. If Piotr Jan just dominates him, that's what's supposed to happen. I'm picking Aljo. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously completely disagree with that pick, but I'm, I'm I'm looking at the live chat here, and everybody's making excuses for Piotr, which is so funny because Piotr was winning that fight, but everybody's making excuses talking about, well, he always takes the first round off. But he lost the second round to Aljamain Sterling. The second round is the round that every single judge gave to Aljamain Sterling, not the first. The first round, yes, a judge gave it to Aljamain Sterling, and then a lot of people think Aljo also won that round, but it was the second round that he gave up. So already making excuses for a guy who won the fight seems a little bizarre to me. I think Piotr Jan does win this fight, but I am sympathizing with Aljamain Sterling here. I, I, I think the odds are a bit wide. What do you think? Oh, and yeah, uh, Piotr Jan has no corner. His corners did not get approved. They're from Russia. They didn't get approved to come to America. So he has no corner and there's all sorts of funny drama on Twitter. Go check it out of who, who, what, what UFC superstar will be his, in, in his corner. Yeah. He invited like sugar and, and uh, Henry, but sugar said on his podcast, he's not going to do it. So uh, I will say that obviously Sterling lost that first round. He got knocked down in the first round, but if you watch that, I think it was the fourth round, like beginning of the fourth round, Piotr hit him with a, I mean, a, the most solid one, two I have ever seen. Boom, boom, like across the chin and Sterling just, ate that. So I know he got, got flash knockdown in the first, but he ate a very, very good Piotr Jan shot in the fourth round when he was tired, when he was exhausted. And that's usually when people fold. I don't think it was like a cardio exhaustion thing. I just think that he punched himself out because um, he was still moving forward in the fourth round. He was still moving forward. He was just a little bit sloppy in what he was doing. So I'm, I'm, Aljamain Sterling is going to surprise a lot of people. I agree. And then somebody just commented, Aljamain Sterling literally got dominated the whole st- the whole fight scorecard aside scorecard except for the, guy. yeah so except, except for, the, for the except for the judges who who determine who wins and loses the fight yeah he got dominated and the fact that he la- literally landed more strikes he literally landed more strikes than Piotr Jan did so uh, listen i think Piotr Jan wins but I, this is not Shimaya and Burns okay you want to say Burns has 0% chance i'm not going to argue with you Aljamain Sterling yeah, Aljamain Sterling is the livest of the three underdogs in the big three fights. DraftKings, I'm not spending the 6900 because I don't think he wins. But listen, you, you want to throw Volkanovsky and Shemaev in your DraftKings lineup and, and there's not much budget left because those dudes are expensive as hell. No, this is a five-round fight and Aljamain Sterling could be worth 6900 bucks. You agree? 
I think it's very good. I think it's a pretty good value. Yeah, because I mean, because Jan will give him a round, right? We, everyone has already established that he's gonna, he's probably gonna lose it. He'll give him a round, and if Sterling doesn't mess around the feet and goes with the grappling, this could get uh, interesting. Yeah, um, and Monkey Knife Fight, one hundred five to one forty six. I, I, um, I hate playing the Moors when we're talking about men over, you know, one something. Those are very, very high numbers, but um, it might be a more or less situation or a less less situation. Because either Jan, you know, potentially gets a finish there or Sterling grapple, 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 grapple and takes away a lot of those strikes. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's probably a less, less because I don't think there's going to be as many opportunities for either one of them to strike in this matchup. Because I think Sterling knows that he lost the the striking exchanges and it's going to be more of a grapple heavy game plan. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. But if you want to check that out, you want to place some of those. They're not really bets because it's daily fantasy. But if you want to do that. We want picks.com slash MKF. They will instantly match your deposit up to $100. And if you want 50, 50 free dollars, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. We have five different betting partners. Sign up with any one of those partners and we will send you $50 as a thank you. Next up at UFC 273, we have the main event of the evening. We have Alexander Volkanovsky taking on Chan Sung Jung or the Korean Zombie. Alexander Volkanovsky is 23-1. and He's 5-0 and in his last five. Coming off a dominant win over Brian Ortega. Korean Zombie is 17-6 and overall. He's 3-2 and in his last five. And he's coming off a win over Dan Ige about eight months ago. And this is a this is an interesting fight because Volkanovsky was... They were going to do Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway 12. And then Max Holloway pulled out. So Korean Zombie jumped in on short notice. But then the fight got delayed entirely, so it's not short notice anymore. And Korean Zombie basically has a full camp to fight Volkanovski in a title shot that he only earned because it was short notice. So just interesting dynamic of how he ended up here. Volkanovski, he's been the champ in the UFC for about two and a half years. We've only seen him fight two people. So I don't really love this fight. I, I just I do wish this was Henry Cejudo, but I'm just glad it's not Max Holloway again. I'm I'm legit over that fight. Alexander is a very good striker who has legit speed with his hands and his feet. He uses kicks really well, and he uses his combinations to set up very clean takedowns. He's a short guy, but he doesn't really struggle finding the head or getting to the hips with the takedowns. He's very strong, but he doesn't possess knockout power. The Korean Zombie has been in the UFC since 2011, but he did have to take a few years off to serve in the military, and that time off definitely slowed down his momentum. But he has worked his way into a title shot here, regardless of the circumstances. And that win over Dan Ige was really nice. Zombie's got great striking, very good grappling, and a high fight IQ. He's beaten some of the best guys on the planet, like Frankie Edgar and Dustin Poirier, before. You know, Frankie Edgar, while Frankie was still good, Dustin Poirier has, you know, I don't think Dustin Poirier's faded yet. So he's beat both of them, and he's also lost to some of the higher level guys too, like Brian Ortega and Jose Aldo. But I do think this is a pretty straightforward win for Volkanovski. I think his work ethic, his pace, his striking volume, his takedowns, I think all of that's going to be too much for Zombie. I think he cruises to a decision. With that being said, Zombie is super tough. He has legit power. Prior to the Ige fight, his last three wins were knockouts. They were over Edgar, Moicano, and Bermudez. So Zombie's going to be dangerous, but I just don't think he's dangerous enough. And I think Volkanovski, pretty easy pick. And uh, a parlay piece. I know the odds are crazy, but he was minus 800 just two days ago. So the odds are going back down. So it's uh, it's interesting to see what's happening with the odds there. 
But uh, Jacob Lines, what are your thoughts? Uh, Jacob Hansen, thank you. I uh, filed the paperwork this morning. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, honestly, minus 800 is crazy for a guy that, you know, technically some people think he lost to Max twice. And against Brian Ortega, he had a fight out of two positions to where he nearly lost that fight. So I understand that he's the champ and he's been the champ and he's a very, very good fighter. But he could be like 0-3 in his last three fights. You know, I, I hate to play that game, but obviously he should win this fight. He is a better fighter than Korean Zombie pretty much everywhere. Obviously, Korean Zombie's probably got the better, more power if it comes down to that. But he's a better fighter. But minus 800 seems kind of just absolutely insane for me. I actually might throw a flyer on Korean Zombie because I think he knows that it's kind of KO or bust, right? I think he comes in. You know, this is my opportunity to be the champ. I'm not going to get another opportunity. And this is probably the best case scenario for Korean Zombie against a guy that really isn't probably going to knock him out. You know, a guy that can wrestle but doesn't really rely on the rest, doesn't really force the wrestling. He, he He's he's a gamer, right, Alex Volks? He likes to put on a show. He knows that people know that wrestling is boring to some people. Um, you know, I'm not going to say Korean Zombie's going to win the fight. Volkanovski is the better fighter. But if you're Korean Zombie, you come in, you bite down on the mouthpiece, and you throw bombs, and you just see what happens. And that's the way you're going to win this title. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. My pick is going to be Volkanovski. I think everyone's pick should be Volkanovski. But minus 800 seems a little bit crazy for a guy that doesn't really finish people against a guy that's got some real power in his hands. Last time we saw these odds, Amanda Nunes got submitted in the second round. Granted, she gassed. Or was that third round? I don't remember. Granted, she gassed and Volkanovski's never going to gas. My point is, okay. My point is, these are fist fights. So nobody, I don't care how many people brag about their fake records in our comment section. Nobody gets these all right. These are fist fights. Anything can happen. And honestly, if one of the big three, if Shemaev, Volkanovski, or uh, Pyotr Jan lose, there's going to be a lot of broke people. I, I, I also parlayed the three of them together. I, you know, I got minus one. My, my big parlay is, um, was the big three with, uh, I put Mickey Gall. So I have the big three, Volkanovski, Chimaev, uh, the other one. Yeah. And then, and then Mickey Gall. That's not bad because I, I think those are pretty three locks, if you will. And then I, and I got, three, I got plus, it's too. basically plus, yes, yeah, plus, I got plus 300 by stacking up all. So it's basically, you think all the favorites going to win? Fine. Boom, boom, boom. Now you have Mickey Gall basically at plus 300, which I think is incredible odds for him. Because he's a plus 160 underdog, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, that's actually that. Uh, love the strategy and check out our betting breakdown for that. So I think we're all aligned here. Uh, Korean Zombie will be live. He's a dangerous guy. He's a talented guy. But everything we've seen from Alexander Volkanovsky, the accuracy, the speed, the volume, the pressure, the cardio, it's probably just going to be too much, and he will get this done. I think he's worth $9,500, which is why we spent so much time talking about some of these live underdogs in DraftKings. Jacob agrees. It's probably more. What a giant number for Monkey Knife Fight, but it probably is more and more. Korean Zombie is tough, and Volkanovsky <laughs> has so literally He literally is called the zombie for a reason. Yeah. That dude could get hit <laughs> 900 times, and it'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, so it's probably more and more. Um, and if anybody has trouble getting to their number, it's probably Korean zombie, honestly. Um, but that's probably more and more. Check that out at wewantpicks.com slash MKF. It's monkey knife fight. It's daily fantasy. It's fun. It's easy. It's an app on your phone. Give it a try. All you need to do is look at the strike lines and say more or less, and then you win some money. 
And speaking of money, you want free money, literally free. We pay people, a lot of people every single day, 50 bucks just for going to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of the five betting partners, make a deposit, let us know after you do, I send you 50 bucks. It's all right there on the website. Super easy, just make sure you use our links and you'll get yourself 50 bucks. And thank you all for the watch. This one's a ton of fun. I'm really looking forward to this fight card. I love the week off because doing this shit is a lot of work, but I get antsy. I get antsy. I'm back to get, I'm ready to get back into the routine, watch the fights. Jacob, any parting words on your first three lock of the week card? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm excited. Triple lock of the weeks. Kay Hansen, Mark Madsen, uh, Mickey Gall, Mickey Mouse. People are like trashing like Mickey Gall in the chat. We both think that he's going to win that fight. And if you, I mean, Luckily, no, this is unprecedented. 10, 2, and 1 to pick all underdogs. Tell me that's not the craziest thing you've ever heard in your life. People could pick all favorites and not go 10, 2, and 1 in the last 13 weeks. So you better put some respect on my name. No, I hear you. Jacob is going to be running the pre-fight live stream Oh, my on God, Saturday. they're back. Here we go. Psst. Jacob will yeah. be running the... <laughs> yeah. Jacob will be running the pre-fight live stream on Saturday. Uh, so check that out. And one one quick comment here. I hate talking about other people's channels. But Lil, Little oh. Seal said Burt MMA picked Malat to win. Dude, Burt MMA is like a, a shirtless 12-year-old kid. And it is straight up child pornography to watch that dude's breakdown. Straight <laughs> up. He's shirtless. And he's like 12. It is straight up illegal. Do not do it. Don't do it. It's It's creepy as hell. Creepy as hell. Anyway. That's the breakdown. And for the record, government, I swear to God, I didn't watch it. I watched none of it. I have no part of that. I'm clean as a whistle. Yeah, you seem to know what's really going on over there. Well, because because we do these breakdowns. YouTube's, oh, like, you might, YouTube's like, you might like this video. And then I click on it. It's like, oh, I absolutely do not like this video. Well, Jeez. it's kind of, uh, it's, they're suggesting some uh, crazy stuff. Here. <laughs> usually that it's is based like on King search of, history. Usually that's, I don't know. It's like, it's like King of Queens. When, thing, and then you get an ad. On Instagram because you were talking about it. I don't know. It's talking like King of Pokemon. Queens. It's like King of Queens where TiVo thinks Spence is gay based on yeah. his viewing. So anyway, we're out of here. Thank you so much for watching the breakdown. Like, subscribe, do all of the things. And Jacob will see you on Saturday for our pre-fight live stream.